Hello and welcome to the Raptor Show on Sportsnet. I'm your host, Swim Lou. Joining me on the program once again is producer and co-host Alex Wong. Uh, major news, four hours into the start of free agency, uh, the Toronto Raptors have pretty much made all their key decisions. I mean, um, Fred Van Vliet is officially gone. Turns out the Houston Rockets were actually serious. Like, they really did have the straight flush or whatever. Um, you know, they, they had a three-year full maximum contract for Fred Van Vliet, which uh, I did not believe. But, uh, you know, truthfully, they did actually have uh, that to offer. And they actually have decided to go through with that offer. So Fred is off to Houston, money that he cannot turn down and that Toronto even though they could have matched, um, they were never going to match that. That that money is way too big. Um, and to be honest, it's beyond sort of um, something that is directly tieable to his encore production. Um, but uh, yeah, it, the Raptors did recover, I suppose, in a way. The plan B was uh, plan O with the umlaut. You know, it was... Oh, uh, okay. That's right. It was literally a plan O uh, with, with Dennis Schroeder bringing... Him into the fold at the mid-level exception. We'll talk about that. And also Jakob Proto just quietly re-signing. Exactly the, the deal that everyone predicted from day one. Four years, $80 million. Um, But yeah, that's where we're at four hours in. Uh, if anything else breaks, uh, it'll happen live on the podcast right now. But recording at 10 p.m. Free agency began at 6 p.m. Alex, man, how are you feeling? Yeah, what's good, man? Jakob is actually at Trey Jones's wedding right now with a bald Derek White, by the way. That's, oh, that's where he is tonight. Yeah, is is that is that is that San Antonio's like negotiating tactic? They're like, hey, maybe <laughs> yeah, he'll come back here. I'm not sure. I've been very distracted by by Derek White's bald dome. He he looks like like a reshaped Artie Bucco from Sopranos right now. So it, it, it's it's tough, but um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, uh, Fred. You know, Fred's making more. Um, you know, his annual salary is more than Luka Doncic next year, and. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, Houston uh-huh. Houston didn't just give them the two years, you know? They went to three, and like you said, like... <laughs> yeah, they like, went to three no, years, No, like, what are, you, what are you supposed to do when you get the 43 million? Uh-huh. Like, I mean, sure, we can... I'm sure we're going to talk about the Raptors, like, front office, and, like, what they should have done at the deadline, et cetera, et cetera. But, like, just in the moment, like you said, like, you know, you can't you can't have 43 millions on, on the books for Fred, or even get anywhere close to that. No, I, I think the Raptors probably topped out, and we'll have reporting on this soon. Um, but my guess is the Raptors topped out at low thirties. Sure, I don't even they, know if they and, even and, went above like 32, 33. You yeah, know they mean? probably went to four years, right? Like four years. I mean, maybe, maybe plus. they went to four years. And but. and you know, but once once Tillman Fertitta offers that third year, that forty three, like this, like you know, in in this vacuum, like it makes sense for everyone right now. Yeah, that Fred went to Houston, and that Toronto didn't try to try to outbid the Rockets for this. So, yeah, I mean, Happy I mean, first Fred, off, man. first off, you got to give your respect to Clutch. I mean, like genuinely, they have negotiated a three-year maximum contract for Fred VanVleet, right? Like we saw Fred change agencies midway through the season, right? That was always pointing towards the idea that hey, you know, um, negotiations can be more difficult. You know, I saw Rich Paul in the building shortly thereafter at Scotiabank and it was sort of like where was Fred gonna go probably was in this he, direction was he wearing his Rich Paul New Balances were you aware no at the time at the I time? wasn't aware I wasn't okay, aware okay. that he had uh, okay, you know personal shoes shoe. but but yeah. now I understand why he has his shoe like you deserve a shoe when you can negotiate contracts of this degree and to my knowledge it really was a two horse race in terms of anybody who was 
even remotely in the ballpark was Houston, who obviously, you know, um, just blew the doors off of anybody's expectations on this contract, uh, and Toronto, right? You're talking about only two guys bidding for Fred, and this is the only max contract that we've seen so far handed out for agency this year. And I understand that Houston has the, uh, you know, salary floor that they'll want to get to. Uh, essentially it's kind of burning a hole in their pocket. I thought there's so many ways you could use that money. You could sign two, three free agents. You could sign free agents that are younger with upside that you could potentially see grow. Uh, you could use free cap space in a way that you could take in, you know, contracts and move them around, all that kind of stuff. You know, all of that I thought was possible um, in the ways that they could have used their contracts. And that's why I thought it was unlikely that they would offer this, but clearly they identified who they wanted. It seemed like Ime Yudoka, who, uh, was also in contention. Well, I was also linked to the Raptors job. Obviously, never even got to interview because Houston, uh, their season ended slightly sooner than the Raptors. Also, the Raptors held on to Nick for an extra week before he was officially let go. Um, during that time, Ime was able to secure the head coaching spot in Houston. And the reporting out of Houston seemed to be that like Ime convinced them, hey, we don't really need James Harden. What we want to do is move in this direction and target Fred. And... Um, yeah, you know, it, they moved in this direction. They pushed all of their chips onto the table. And I, I suppose for them, it doesn't even necessarily matter what the value of the deal is. And and to me, that sounds a little outrageous, but because, you know, I think money should be worth something or even just like, you know, and especially in a salary cap league, like um, you have to have some sort of accountability in terms of like, you know, how, where are you spending this money and sort of what, you know, what is, what is it getting you and sort of what is the opportunity cost of spending this dollar here versus elsewhere? Regardless, like they identified Fred, they went after Fred and it's really an offer you can't refuse. You know, I, do I think in my heart of hearts that Fred is excited to go to Houston or that uh, he wants to play in that basketball situation? You know, I can't speak for him, but I think, you know, most reasonable people in this uh, spot would say probably not. Um, if you think about Fred's interaction with the Houston Rockets the last couple of years, you know, you, he's been part of games where the Raptors will run a full court press the whole game and turn them over like 10 times on just a simple full court press. You know, we've seen uh, this past season, Houston Rockets had most of the roster, led most of the way. And then, you know, Fred and Gary just destroyed them at the end and, and overcame them on the road. We've seen them win, you know, 20% of the games roughly the last couple of years. We've seen them change coaches. Ownership has, you know, been changed. Who who really knows? The reputation of Tillman hasn't really, really been out there. Um, other than sort of him coming out as a uh, bit of a cheapskate in the bubble, which clearly that is now been dis, uh, disproven here. At least oh, let, let's, let's, let's be clear, though. I don't know if it's been disproved because, like, they do – they technically had to spend, I think, like at least $50 million. Okay, of this that's cap fair. space, yeah. That, that's I just want to keep. I just want to keep the Tillman Fertitta cheapskate agenda going, if we mm. can. Yeah. Well, we should keep some things going because you know we have we have lost a lot of storylines in this uh, scenario, <laughs> but we've gained some too that we're excited to talk about. But like again, it's just so much money. Like I, I don't think anybody nope. could have ever thought that Fred would make this much money, especially coming off a year where he didn't play that well. Like it, it was like not a career year. I thought last year was better for Fred. Last year, I was obviously the first half of the year he made All-Star. Deserved it. He was playing at that good of a level. He was like, I think around the All-Star break, he was averaging like 20 plus, eight, like seven assists, five rebounds, shoot the three at a 40% clip. At one point, he was shooting catch and shoot threes at a like 50% clip. 
like he was doing great for that 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 team or our team at that time in that season. This past season got gets off to a slow start, and even though his play rebounds, and I thought it was even pretty good towards the this maybe not pretty good, but like much better and much closer to what you would expect from him in the second half of the season. It still wasn't a good season overall. It was a season with a lot of turmoil, and we'll get into all that in, in a second. But just it wasn't exactly like a great time to hit for agency, and you only have two bidders, and somehow they still walked out of this with a three-year maximum contract. So again, I think you got to you got to say, you know, for Fred, obviously the bet on yourself thing, it clearly has worked out for him, right? Like it, it genuinely, you would have never foreseen him coming into the league. You know, back in 2016, when he was like literally had to compete with uh, Danny Crawford's son or jo- Joey Crawford's son. No, not Joey Crawford. Danny Crawford's son. What am I saying? Joey Crawford. Uh, he had to compete with one of the referee's sons for one of the final roster spots with like Brady Heslip and these other guys. Ends up mm. securing it is the four string point guard. He even talked about it, how this guy used to stay at the Fairmont. Like when you come out of the union, you literally could see the Fairmount. This guy was staying at the Fairmount. And he was like in his hotel room praying. That he even gets a chance to, you know, make the roster as a 15th man, as a fourth string point guard. And for his career to play out in this way, like, it's just so kind of unbelievable. Um, and again, you have to you have to tip your cap to clutch. Like, I actually, like, this is not a sarcasm. This is not some sort of promo or nothing. It's just respect to clutch, man. That This is actually, like, an incredible bit of negotiation. So. Yeah, also not a promo, but also realize, aside from the new balance shoes, um, Rich Paul's also been wearing these clutch hoodies lately. So apparently there's I kind of want one now, man. There's a clutch athletics line. I need Once him. again, man, give me my throwback David Falk jersey, man. Give me a Falk jersey. That's what I want. Man. I don't know. I don't know if David Falk could have done this, man. <laughs> so is the clutch hoodie like the same as how I want my ball, how I like my ball don't stop Hooper hoodie? Is this your Hooper hoodie? You want you really want to rock clutch gear? Like I, I think will I buy want you, clutch gear. I will, I will buy you clutch gear. Like I got you in terms of not just splitting shipping. Like I will buy a hoodie for you. I, I, like, I think I actually um, got you. Yeah. No, I actually I actually want a clutch hoodie now. Like because right. again, you look at the contracts that were negotiated today. They're just no, kind of, of course. Even but, Jer- even Jeremy Grant for five yeah, years one sixty. But that's because Portland Portland's going on the incompetent front office list right now. Like, well, it doesn't. Well, I mean, I guess there are always no, everybody has a chance to like you know go at these incompetent front offices. No, of but course, who like respects the clutch. Bids. And, yeah. like, respects to this negotiation for Fred, but also it's, like, free agency is just, like, right place at the right time, right? And sure. like yeah, he, yeah, yeah. he walked into a year where, like you said, the Rockets had all this cap room and clearly targeted him as the guy that they wanted to bring in for, you know, leadership and all of this stuff. And they were so hell-bent on getting him that, you know, I, you know, you felt two days ago that the, four, the, the two-year 80 mil was ridiculous – and they ended up going three years, uh, 130. Yeah. So, like, you think about, like, I think about, like, Jalen Brunson last year. Like, you know, like, if he came out this year and Houston was targeting him, then he would would have gone 43. And now he's making, like, I think, what, like, 25 a year with the Knicks or something yeah. like that. So, like, it depends, yeah. right? Like, sometimes you have, like, the cap spike, that cap spike year when a bunch of guys got a bunch of money. This is not to take away from Clutch or Fred, but, like, he walked into a perfect situation here to, to, to extract but- all this money. Maybe, but at the same time, it's like he had two pe- two teams bidding on him. Well, like, he had one. I mean? He had one team that was willing to just pay the maximum to and get. That's him. kind of that's kind of outrageous because again, they could have theoretically made this play with any of them, or they could have used their cap space 
in a myriad of ways. Like you, you, there's so many other things you could have done. Like, yes, they have to spend 50 million. It's the easiest thing in the world. You could spend 50 million. There's all sorts of strategies. I'm sure there was a lot of convincing and negotiating that went on that led them to this decision where they've paid Fred the full max. Like, and, and just think about it. Like we're talking about a player and I, and this is not to disparage Fred. This is just being completely realistic. And I would have done this with him on the roster, without him on the roster. I think I did it earlier episodes this week. He is not a max player, right? Like we're talking about a man who has made one all-star game. Maybe he'll make more, but in the Western conference, let's say there's four guards out there, right? You know, like, realistically is he going to get a spot you know steph dame darren fox john morant you know shay luca uh i feel like i'm missing like a ton booker you know did what i mean like did you mention my guy Kyrie? yet Kyrie, yeah yeah like yeah, i'm just saying way, like, I, I do have some breaking raptors news if you want to react oh, to this oh there's actual breaking raptors news? yeah go yeah ahead. chris haynes chris haynes is reporting uh your boy rich paul um, is working to finalize a lucrative multi-year extension for Gary Trent with the Raptors. Okay. So he's going to get extended. No details yet on money. Interesting. Yeah, but we'll keep it. We'll keep posted on that. So yeah, back to Fred. Huh? No, I, I, I'm with you though. Okay. I'm yeah, with yeah. you. I'm yeah. with you about Fred in terms of, in terms of the money. But then again, again, that's so just that's the what context. I'm saying. Like the negotiation part was not easy for them to actually have done it. So. Yeah, I, well, uh, Houston clearly was just hell bent on getting him, and they got him. Yeah, and you know, wish Fred the best of luck. You know, for 15 minutes, I had to contemplate if we should actually bring back Goran Dragic, but no, I, I mean, guess that's not happening for now. No, I think there's some like European teams that could use Goran. You know, I think um, <laughs> no, this guy trying to ship him to another continent right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I think like uh, Zalgris could have some higher ambitions. You know, I know Barcelona just lost their key free agent. What about um, Virtuous Bologna? Vir- Virtuous Bologna, man. He could do a great job with uh, mm. somebody he knows, Sergio Scariolo, who um, I don't think he knows him in terms of like actually playing together on the Raptors. But I think he knows him in the sense that, uh, you know, they played against each other internationally. It's impossible for those two guys to have not met. So hey, that, there's a good opportunity there. You know, um, where else, man? Valencia. I feel like Valencia could really use Goran Dragic, you know. so no, He's got running an Airbnb ad right now, man. I mean, basically. Um, anyways, Raps lost their starting point guard. Um, first of all, a lot of talk. I think the immediate reaction is just like, oh, you know, the Raptors messed up their, their trade deadline. And they should have traded them. Do you want to say anything about that piece of it? Um. Yeah, I mean... I mean, the whole convo is just around like asset mismanagement. Well, listen, stuff, right? you really didn't get anything for him, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I think there's no way to get around that. Like you can say I can justify it or whatever way, but the thing is you really got nothing for him. And this is a player who has come up in your program, has developed in your program. And maybe you could say this is like some sort of like unforeseen thing where what can you really do? You're not going to pay him the max and a team has decided to pay the max and they're over they're paying 10 more than what you would even offer right um so what can you really do um but at the same time i think you have developed a player who is an established starter in this league is a max player in this league now and he has just walked out of your door without you getting anything sort of in return like i don't think you can really spin that um you could say that it's unfortunate again you could say that maybe it was un- you know hard to even prevent or even foresee such an outcome I'm sure they're at some level they are stunned, 
um, if you get him in a moment of honesty, which is fairly impossible when it comes to NBA executives. But um, yeah, I mean, if we go by the offers that were there, the trade deadline, which realistically, the, this past trade deadline was probably the only time that I could have seen the Raptors realistically entertaining Fred VanVleet trades. Um, but if you were going by uh, what happened at the trade deadline, I mean, you know, Grange reported that it was like the offers were Grayson Allen and a pick distant, not maybe even like 2030 kind of pick or late 2020s um, or like Brandon Boston, who, you know, I, I challenge most people to to give me a full scouting report on Brandon Boston. No, I don't want a player whose last name is a team in the Atlantic Division, man. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> like that's 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 my that's my scouting report of Brandon okay. Boston. Man. All right. I don't want I don't want a player. I don't want a Raptors jersey with with Boston behind. It. I don't think that's going to yeah. outsell Grady Dick this year, man. It's nasty. It says Toronto on the front of Boston. No, but the here's back, the other man. thing. Like I'm not trying to defend the front office and like uh-huh. they clearly have had a lot of missteps if you want to look at the roster, if you want to sort through like the last few years and stuff. But I think the other scenarios, like obviously, you know, front offices, all this stuff, like they game plan this stuff out. And if you were looking towards free agency at the trade deadline and you were looking at Fred and we're hearing all the conversations about obviously like, you know, Fred and the front office have a good relationship, et cetera, et cetera. But also it's like, it's just like a butterfly effect thing. Like you mentioned, you know, if Houston decided to target James Harden and they decided to go back, Fred would, wouldn't have had this leverage with another team offering him this amount of money. And Toronto probably in that scenario would have been comfortably able to get him back for like whatever number it was. Like mm. 390, I don't know. Maybe that would have would have gotten it done because who else was, aside from Houston, was stepping up with an offer in that range, right? Yeah. So yeah. It, it the, the Houston thing was kind of an unforeseen thing, like if, if you look at it. Because like all year, there was all the chatter about how Houston was going to bring James Harden back. And that was what they were going to use sure. a lot of their cap room on, right? And then the same yeah. make from the Athletic like reported yesterday that the Rockets changed their mind, which is kind of hilarious. They yeah. were just like, after we hired Ime, we decided that, you know, James Harden is just not a right fit with these guys. But we need um, Fred. Yeah, but we need Fred. So it's like, again, I'm not, mm-hmm. I, you know, people are right to be mad at the front office. But like, if you, if yeah. you think about it just rationally, like that was their thought process. Like they... And if they miscalculated, then they miscalculated. Like they, Houston just kind of came out of nowhere and said, "Hey, we're offering you this amount of money." So I don't yeah. think they could have foreseen that at the deadline. Is all I'm saying. I don't think so because at the deadline, the the stance was still that they were going after Harden, and um, that was like their main thing. And then yeah. it seemed like only in the off season when they went to Ime and they changed this direction that. Uh, um, you know, they, they've switched yeah, targets. And literally, yeah. what other team out there? And I think and I think there was an assumption, too, that Fred wanted to go to a contending team if he was going to go, right? Yeah. And yeah. there wasn't... I, I can't even think of another contending team that, that could have competed in that 25 to 30 million a year range. I suppose so, you could have said, like, the Lakers could have gotten involved, but, like, the sure. Lakers went for Gabe Vincent for sure. three years at the mid-level. Yeah. Or not, slightly below the mid-level? That was pretty good business by them. Um, no, Lakers. Like Lakers made some nice moves, man. Apparently, everyone's yeah. excited about them picking up Torian Prince. Sure, yeah. Uh, cool. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's fine. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, uh, then again, I, I don't know if I don't know if I want to give the front office like complete sort of like not amnesty, but just like the the idea that like it was completely unforeseen. Like I I remember remember we had Michael Pena on the show 
mm-hmm. in February, and he told us like, "Hey, maybe Houston as a destination for Fred." You can look it up. It was back in like February. No, he did say that. Yeah, no, and, I, I that, just didn't take it that seriously. I didn't think that uh, it was maybe that realistic. But you know, it's not to say that sure. it came out of nowhere completely. But in any case, they don't get anything back for him. Like at best, right now, we're like maybe if we can convince them to do a sign and trade and get a <laughs> trade exception back. Like, all right, man, cool. We get a trade exception back. Like, yeah, is it? Do I prefer that to nothing? Sure, but it's like it, it's it's so marginal. You're not going to get any picks, and I, that's what I thought. Out of all the free agency scenarios, to see Fred just straight up leave that leaves the Raptors with the least amount. So, like, no, I'm not happy with this outcome. Um, and you know, I, I think for, in terms of the front office, it's like I can understand in the sense that, like, okay this didn't really break your way or like this other thing didn't break your way. Or like, I understand the idea of going after Giannis or I understand the like, man, you know, um, we've had a tough couple of years because of COVID or like Serge and Mark are getting old and we're going to let them walk. But you know, in the meantime, maybe we'll roll the dice on, you know, guys like Aaron Baines and Alex Len, maybe they can kind of come in and do something. No, they can't. Okay. Wow. That was a disaster. Um, you know, I understand, you know, even in the smaller moves of like, um, we'll bring in a couple of, not even developmental guys, just flyer guys, right? Like, okay, former first-round picks like Rondé and Stanley. Or, like, we'll bring in Pat McCaw or we'll bring in, like, Utah or Roche or these other guys and see what they can sort of, like, do in a limited, st- you know, moment, like uh, Justin Champagne, these these guys. I just think that's, like, that's okay. But, then again, when you step back on the whole, it's, like, there, there just are no actual, like, wins to sort of offset some of those things that are, like, objectively just average or or turned out to be pretty bad and i would categorize in this fred scenario as like this it turned out to be pretty bad like i was not one of those people that believed that fred leaving is going to actually cure the team just by him leaving alone so that to me there is no benefit to the fact that you've lost your at worst third best player um and you know, yes, you could say that you couldn't see this Houston offer coming. Doesn't change the bottom line, man. And like plan B, I guess there was a plan B. The plan B was, you know, we, we retain Jakob because we have to, right? Because we, we just traded for him. Uh, we have extra cap room now or extra flexibility under the tax. We, we get Gary into to sign, you know, uh, an extension. Okay, we'll see what that extension looks like. You know, I don't mind that. I like Gary. I think there's still a little bit more upside. Okay, cool. You move in that direction. And then Dennis Schroeder for, what, two years at the mid-level. Like, maybe that works out. Maybe that doesn't. I mean, it's not like Dennis Schroeder has been, like, excellent at his stops. I would say the smaller his role, probably the better. You know, when he was part of a three-point guard system with uh, Shea and with Chris Paul in OKC, I was like, okay, Dennis Schroeder, decent. Um, When he was, what he did with the Lakers this past year, which was, be a pesky on-ball defender, um, you know, be hit some occasional shots, but not really be the primary playmaker. LeBron's the primary playmaker. Even Austin Reeves had the ball more than him. D'Angelo Russell felt like he had the ball more than him in the regular season. Like, okay, um, so he was effective in that limited role. You now what? Are you are we starting Dennis Schroeder? Is he coming off the bench as your sixth man? Um you know, all that kind of stuff is just kind of a little bit underwhelming for me. But regardless, like, I mean, I don't know. Again, I, I maybe I do circle back to the idea of, like, what do you really do? Like, they really did offer three years at the max for Fred Van Vliet, which, I, I again, like, I'm not even trying to disrespect Fred. I'm not salty about this from a, that Houston got him. I'm just thinking about it like that doesn't compute to me, like, in terms of just what value looks like. But, you know, 
I don't know. Is that is that something you're thinking too? Is is that like is it a little bit hard for you to like wrap your mind around the fact that f- Fred is gonna make the max for three years? Yeah, it's like it's like weird because like in the moment, like you said, like I think the Raptors, it makes sense for them to not not like give him whatever amount of money to match this Houston offer, right? Uh, but at the same time, you know the the front office definitely should get some blame for you know not getting anything for him. Um, but then I'm also like long term, I don't know if the Raptors are, are going to in two years, you know, once they've had a chance, hopefully to kind of retool this roster and, and you know, decide which players are moving forward with. Like, I don't know if you look look back in two years or three years and, and you know, still miss Fred at that point. You know what I mean? Like Fred did a lot, a lot of great things here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, you know, like, you know, Scotty, obviously, you know, I think needs to take on a bigger role. If this team, um, you know, wants to build anything for the long term, you still got Pascal and OG, and all this stuff. Um, and also now we get rid of um, <laughs> we get rid of all the toxic conversations around Fred. We can move on from that too. I uh, I mean, they'll ju- all- <laughs> it'll, it'll just move on to someone else being like character assassinated. Yeah, but I mean, it's that's like-, like that's my least favorite part about this whole thing. Like, we can, mm-hmm. are we are we are we in Fred legacy talk yet or no? Yeah, let's do it, man. Okay, yeah, like that's my least favorite part about this whole thing. Like whatever i have no issues with critiquing anybody as a player on their merits on whatever even your preferences right yeah. you can say fred, i don't want to show had a down season man yo you could say of fred course he had a down had a season, down season. Like, we talked about it extensively everybody talked about it extensively i don't think it was a case that the media didn't say oh fred's playing poorly like no there was no grand conspiracy to cover up somehow everyone bought into this idea that everyone's siding with fred in the media that's not that's not how what i saw it but maybe i could definitely acknowledge that being in the media, like maybe I'm more biased in this sense, but I know from my own coverage, slam Fred repeatedly, and and not slam Fred like I need to get him off my team. I think he's a horrible person. I think he's holding back these rookies. I think he resents all these guys. It wasn't any personality attacks. It was just he's not performing well. This shot selection here is not good. You know, I think back to that game where the Raptors lost it in overtime to 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 milwaukee that was the the the, the two four or one for 30 special <laughs> oh, to no, start man. the game there were tons of poor shots from fred in that one and there was tons of horrible decisions in that one including in the the the, the, the game winning uh shot which went to grayson allen in the corner remember Giannis drove fred helped completely off the strong the corner and that opened up the shot to be there even though i didn't think the help was necessary so again we covered all this in that in the moment critiquing the game it's 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 that's for everybody that's Honestly, even just part of why we're all here, right? There's so much evaluation that goes on. And so there was never any pushback on that. We had, we had discussions about it, but that's just basketball. That's literally what we're here for. I just don't remember, like, another player that since I've really, like, especially when I've covered the team, but it's, even going back to when I was a fan of the team, and I missed the Vince era. So I think that's probably the, the comparable here. I haven't seen as much, like, it's it's not even about the the game itself. It's just about character assassination. And I was like, what was even the evidence that led to this amount of vitriol, this amount of this like this um just despair around his team? There was like a bitterness. There was like a venom to that the I like uh, to him as a person. And I was like, yo, like, we 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 don't even know. Like even in media, us talking to him, you know, like we don't even know him like that. So like why and and it really came down to just one guy only really one guy was like ascribed to like 
he is a bad person with bad intents and he is selling out the media and he's, you know, spreading rumors about the rookies or what. And it was just like, where did all this even come from? Like, what actually is the evidence for all of this? And like, beyond all that, why are we doing this? Like, what did it benefit for you as like a fan watching the team? You know, like, again, like, I just, I, it's hard to find another instance for me where somebody was like, like it became so much about his character when like the actual hard evidence that we have of his character are all universally positive. You know? Yeah, no, like, I no, like, I hear you, man. And it's crazy too. Cause it's like, you, you track, like you track Fred's like trajectory here. Like he was one of the beloved players, like when he was coming up undrafted yep. and obviously the championship season. And even when he remember was early on, they were talking Kyle. about like Colin DeMar respected Fred and allowed him to have a voice. Even when he was like a second year player, even as a third year player, yeah, this, or a this, second year player, that was with, this, when he was the leader of the bench. This year, like, this only turned this year, man. It, yeah, the conversation like you mentioned did get did get really toxic and like you know, shout, shout people were saying guy. like, "Yo, he's like whispering in the media's ear so that they can like <laughs> put out negative reports about this guy or that guy," and it's like. I yo first of all first of all Raptors Raptors locker room or team was so so uh, the chemistry was so off that like I don't think we were even granted a one-on-one with Fred this year um and but I remember shouts to my guy uh you know Ahmet Man at at Yahoo Sports Canada um Mm -hmm. you know him and CJ I remember they had Fred on on the pod late in the season after he had that 2020 game against Charlotte uh people paid two dollars to see that um that must have been the best two dollars anyone's ever spent on an nba game in charlotte oh, man. um man. and besides when jeremy lynn had spiked hair um and like he you know fred talked about this right and fred talked about this when he was asked i think um you know at his like end of season press or two just just about like the conversations around him just about social media just about the dms that he gets and listen that's normal for like any athlete but it's like yeah like just watching I'm like talking probably that's gonna be his lasting memory of like the Raptors fan base. <laughs> no, he gotta do you know when he does his press conference um in Houston, he gotta do one of those, like the 2010, is it 2010 when Braun called everyone broke after he lost to the Mavericks? <laughs> Bro, this guy making the GDP of a small country right now. He could no, call he, anybody broke. He man. really and then he gotta go at Ben Taylor again because like he could probably take another couple fines right now. Oh man. No state income tax, too. So he be, yep. he basically just gotta pay the Ben Taylor tax. Mm. um on that too but it's like i mean like we joked about the youtube chat like i know you watched it more and like um you know i know a lot of raptors fans engage with you as well just like on social media and stuff and i'm sure you saw way no, more no, here's the but thing. even I the go, bits I, that i saw i'm like this is crazy like the i think i think it's just like personal we've talked about this it's like fans just latch on to like individual players right and then it becomes very personal and they're like there's a clearly the divide between like fred and like Fred fans and like Scotty fans this year. Yeah, that was really the main, that was really the right? main conflict. Like even that's the I main th- thing. But I feel like there wasn't even a conflict between those two people. So why is there, I, I, I again, like I, I think for me that the, the part that I really wanted to get to, and I, I would love to hear people's feedback on this. I really would. It's just like, it, it was, we're not talking about anything on the basketball court. We're not talking about his defense. We're not talking about his offense. We're not talking about shot selection. We're not talking about, did he make the right pass here? We're not even talking about like theoretical things like, hey, who should be the point guard moving forward? Maybe the Raptors should play with only wings moving forward. Maybe the, you know what I mean? Like all that kind of stuff. I'm, I'm saying 100%. Why would we not have those conversations? That's like why I love doing this. But I think where it really went to in a different direction was like so much of just like hypothesizing and theorizing. And I think eventually legitimizing that 
he was this horrible conniving person which to me it just never sat right like for, we, we're, who else do we do this with like we genuinely don't do this with anybody else i don't remember it done this degree with anybody else i mean like I, and i'm not trying to police fan nature like behavior or nature i understand that part of this is i suppose just the you know um it, it comes with the territory it's like the one of the dark sides of you know sports fandom right like you see um lots of instances of this i don't even think this is particularly unique but to me it was just like it was unique in my experience of covering the team and also being a fan of the team and maybe well, that's my own like maybe it's just on me like i maybe i've i i consistently seek out what everyone's you know talking about and and you know thinking about and i go into forums and i'll read comments and you know like i, I feel like that's for me i always thought it was informative in the sense that i want to know how people are feeling and i have this amount of time i'll invest into it and it'll get me sort of closer to sort of um maybe what people are feeling because i have absorbed more of it but to me i just i never could wrap my head around just like 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 the personal side of it like i don't know what fred did personally that was like that you could say this is what he did and this is what intentions were doing and therefore he's this this bad person like i just i never understood that yeah, and that's, that's not a, like me defending him as media. That's like I would defend anybody with this decency, man. No, I hear you, man. I, I think it, this is a problem too. It's confusing to me, man. It I think really it's was. a problem. I think it's a problem too. Is like obviously the team went through like you know one of the worst seasons in like the last ten years, like okay, outside yeah, of Tampa, fine. and it's like you know when a team is not doing well. Um, I think just the nature of like how fans follow an individual team now, like then it becomes just about like, it's not about like, Oh, who, who this team can trade for, how they can improve, like all of this stuff. It's not like forward looking. It's just more like kind of an infighting nature. And like, that's just okay. kind of what happened this year. Right. Cause there was yeah, literally guess. nothing else to talk about, um, aside from the team struggling. And when the team struggles, like there's just has to be like finger pointing. Like the nature of for a lot of fans that like follow the team, it's like someone has to take a blame, right? Like someone has to be blamed for the team not doing well. And the blame just ended up falling on Fred. Yeah. So And again, basketball wise, you could say like there's plenty of like basketball blame that you could put on his feet. You know, like No, but this is the crazy thing. This man had such a down season and then turned around and got forty three mil. That's why he's gotta go. 2010 Braun at the Angel Presser next to Ime Udoka, the disgusting brother. Yo, I and, might need to cop these, like, <laughs> I might need these Rich Paul New Balances, man. Like I, yo, you know Rich what? Let Paul me see genuine, if I got budget. This is some goaded behavior let, from an agent. Let me see I if I got say. budget left after I buy uh, an authentic Utah Watanabe yeah. Phoenix Suns jersey. So shouts to Takashi. Yeah. Wow. So that's tough, man. Yeah, the prodigal son lands it. Yo, like, Utah really a became a KD merchant. Like you know how people <laughs> yo, talk about. I love he's that a relationship merchant or whatever. Yo, yo, he's just pure. It's not. It's like a purely parasitic relationship. No, I love it, man. It's I like yeah, it, like yeah. I I know where my bread is buttered. KD is gonna draw two defenders, and I'm gonna be in the corner. No, but I want to shoot it. Shows to so, Utah too, man. Because like, not to get off. It's topic, actually a perfect like, fit for him. Yeah, and it's like when when he was here in Toronto. Like I remember, it was a big deal. Remember they timed when he signed his like uh, like official contract or whatever. Like he signed the contract, they timed it so then they could like it was in the morning in Japan or whatever, mm. and they, like celebrate. And there was a time when it, you weren't sure if he was even gonna stick in the NBA, right? And yeah. like for him to have like a really good season uh, in Brooklyn last year, even though he played with like three different teams when he was there during the season. Yeah. Um, and now going to Phoenix on this contending team, like I'm I'm really happy for Utah because it seems like he's he's like. 
based on obviously his three-point shooting last year, like he's carved out a role where like I feel comfortable saying that he's going to be an NBA player for like, you know, his career. Oh, so, yeah. I mean, he's I'm already – this is already like really good for Utah. Like he's yeah. now what, four years officially yeah. into the league? Did you like, send him a st- did you send him a DM on on IG? What's going on, man? <laughs> Not this time, but you know, <laughs> let's, um, let's check. Yeah, Maybe you should go check if that last one has been read. Man. I don't think it was read or accepted. <laughs> oh let's no, yo, let's when the honest. schedule when the schedule drops in like August or whatever, we got to circle that one Phoenix game in Toronto, man. That's it. That's better a, not that's... be a back to back. He better he better have like a night here, and then we we really got to just finally figure out this ramen thing, man. That was a way off. That was like. <laughs> That was me insisting that Jason Smith was the correct answer instead of Kevin Serafin. In fact, I even described his hairline and everything, and no. it was still not him. Um, oh, man. But, yeah, back to Fred. Yeah, yeah. so the Fred yeah, I mean, toxic conversation. I mean, I think that's all I had to say about it. Like, I, I just didn't understand it. So I think if people can really, like, enlighten me in terms of just, like, what was it specifically that made you feel like I'm, I dislike this person? I, I, I yeah. Enlighten will, enlighten will only. Yeah, like so. as a person, not as a basketball court. Don't be like, yo, it's because he shot thirty-seven percent. I'm like, yo, I get it. Like, I completely get it, bro. Mm-hmm. Like basketball wise, I, I get listen, it. But the, even the, the comments that he wise, made, I know that. like we were talking about the comments that he made to to Steve Bullpit of our favorite website, Heavy.com, yeah. about how like you know other guys on the team, like you know young guys are just going to develop on their own term. Like sometimes yeah. you can't really teach them everything. Like, listen, man, this is a guy who like you know was on a championship team. And like moving into an age in his career where he's a veteran on the team, of course he's going to be frustrated when the team is going through a down phase like this. Like, so even those comments like didn't really bother me. Like, I don't, you know, you don't have to agree with it, but I think it's just like sometimes people just got to understand like what, like when people say these things, when athletes say these things, like where they're coming from. Yeah. Like, if you just understand their thought process, like you don't have to agree with what they're saying, but you don't also have to turn it into a thing, like you mentioned, where it's like, oh, like he, you know, is trying to like, you know, whisper to the media yeah, about like Scotty is- or like telling, you know, he doesn't get along with the young guys. Maybe he didn't get along with the young guys. And if he didn't, I get it, man. You know, like, I don't want to work with, like, if I was 29, I don't want to work with no 21 year old. <laughs> like, okay. All right. No, you know what I mean, though? It's like, bro. no, nah, I think no, there's, you know I think what? there's you, just, you be, I heard you've been spreading rumors about Lee Ban, man. No, what? Uh, <laughs> no, but there's been a separation. Um, I think there just needs to be a separation between like, you know, like criticizing a player, like you mentioned, um, and then uh, versus like framing them in a way that's just like not true or like framing them in a way where you don't have the information to actually make those like accusations. Yeah, I just I I, I don't know. I mean, I, I just think it was like unique in the sense. But I I am also very like, yo, just let fans be how fans are. So like, you know. That's fine. Have That's those fine. conversations. I guess so. Um, yeah, I'll just not check the YouTube chat. I bet you next season the YouTube chat will still be fighting about Fred. No, they're going to fight about the next guy. I promise you. It's going <laughs> to no, be No, I like, want them to keep fighting about past, Fred. Like, oh, you know, Scotty's not performing to... He's not a superstar yet because of Pascal. We need to ship out Pascal. Like, this will just be the next agenda item. Or like... then, Or, or conversely, really... and even more toxic, will be like, Scotty's not that guy. Let's ship him out. There's you know just I mean? a like, lot of time and a lot of space online to like have these conversations, and maybe this is just how a new, a certain segment of like gener- new generation of fans, it, but just is this assume just, like a basketball team, like how they follow a basketball team? It's not healthy for anybody to follow any humans like this. No, I hear you, man. Yeah, but so anyway, anyways, um, in terms of Fred, in terms of the legacy and all that kind of stuff, like I mean, what can you really say? Like, 
he cost the Raptors literally nothing. And I would say he gave the Raptors everything. You know what I mean? What I never really questioned was his effort, mm-hmm. his uh, will to get better. You know, I feel like he performed at every stage. Um, I remember him in summer league. It was the first inklings of the bench mob, but it was like Fred's second time around in summer league. Him, Pascal, Jakob. I think DeLon was there, but he, I think he hurt his shoulder. Um, but like, you know, they just completely kicked ass in that setting. Um, even Fred, again, I, I mentioned like he was obviously undrafted, signed to a training camp invite, went to summer league. Again, he was playing with guys like EJ Singler or like uh, what? That's that's that that's this. You that gotta was save that. Version. You gotta save that for Basketball Reference, man. EJ Singler was the 2016 version of uh, DJ Hogg. Is he you related I mean? to like, Kyle Singler? Maybe I actually don't oh know. That's a God. good question. Uh, also, deep pull Detroit Piston, obviously cherubic face. Uh, <laughs> cherubic is insane. <laughs> no, he had a cherubic face. I promise you. Look up Kyle Singler. But um, yeah, you know, like he had again. Like, he had to make the final spot in the roster, and I didn't think it was Fred because again, you would look at him. and You're like, what's this undersized, not that athletic guard doing in in, in the league, and what is his purpose here? And the Raptors had like. Literally four, three guards ahead of him, right? You had Kyle, who was your all-star, one of your two franchise pillars, along with Damar, at the position. So there's not a lot of backup minutes to go around anyway. The backup was Corey Joseph, who was pretty established and did a pretty good job in his role as the backup. Behind him was DeLon Wright, who was the first-round pick, who had way more physical tools. And, you know, if anybody was going to get a chance, it would be DeLon. Now, of course, the, the the break that happened for Fred was that DeLon kept getting injured. But ultimately, Fred was made the team as the four-string point guard. There was no need for him to be on the team. And, like, he just kept exceeding every single step, going down to the G League, winning the title in the G League. Him and Pascal. That's what I mean by he literally succeeded at every single level that they gave to him. At the bench mob the next year, right, he um, it leads that group. Right. There, there were a lot of talented players in that group. Like literally Pascal's there. He's a max player now. Jakob Proto was there. He's making 20 now. You know, Fred, I suppose, is a max player now. He's supposed to be the highest paid out of the whole group. But like Delon was a starter. CJ was a longtime NBA veteran. Like out of all those guys, it was Fred who sort of emerged as the leader. Right. Um, you know, again, even around that time, the reports were always uh, like, you know, Kyle and Demar respected, you know, Fred's voice. This is him as a second year player um undrafted and that really led to a lot of success in that season that was still the franchise record for most wins in the regular season 59 right the following season literally Wait, how, did the that, how did that season end though yeah right well, well how did one. that 59 well, win season end? you know one of the tough things about that season <laughs> i remember is also um you know in game one where the raptors had to beat the Cavs, mm. uh demar drove kicked out and fred was wide open at the three I think people mm. always like get on JV, and I think CJ might have also been in the offensive I rebound. I swear they had like seven shots total on that last. The first shot was Fred win. getting wide open from three, but also uh. I, I can't even fully blame him because game eighty-two, I think you know Dwayne Casey was chasing sixty wins, and Bam Adebayo set a moving screen on Fred, and that injured That's him. Right, Fred was the, so hurt in that first round against Washington. Exactly right. So yeah. regardless, he played as much as you could possibly expect out of him. The next year, they literally win the championship. And whatever, the first two rounds, Fred was as, uh, as, as sort of offensively, as offensively inert as I've seen any guard in the playoffs. Yeah, you know what I mean? Just, like, don't, that, just don't look up Fred and Norman Powell's numbers against the Sixers. In the, in the Philly reference. series, I, I, I believe the stats are that 
James Ennis III blocked his shot more than Fred actually made shots in that series. Like, he got blocked more often than James Ennis III than he made shots, period. He had only <laughs> one role on the court, which was he did a good job of going around screens and defending J.J. Redick. That was his only positive contribution to the Sixers series, right? And he was struggling there. He didn't really play that well in the Orlando series, but who cares? It doesn't even matter. But to go from that to the way he turned it around, and obviously everyone remembers the story, you know, his son being born, um, you know, him having to, like, fly back and forth to, you know, the hospital and then to the game. And he drove, I think, from Chicago where his kid was born to Rockford or to, or Rockford where the kid was born to uh, Milwaukee where, you know, games uh, – five was was at and just like the complete turnaround there or game th- uh, game two was that um but just a complete turnaround that he made over the course of games what three four five six including some of those games where you know game five on the road fred hit what seven threes yeah that that's a very underrated game that people don't talk about because Kawhi took over st- in the fourth quarter but like you know fred, they broke they don't win there. that game without fred they, they don't legit win that game without fred they don't win yo, game they six legit of the finals swept the bucks man yeah. like i I, I I can't say this enough. You lose four straight times in any sort of context, you have been swept. And they swept the Bucks in large part because Fred just absolutely won Supernova. There were games, remember when Kyle fouled out? Game three, double overtime, right? And like Kyle fouled out, Norm fouled out. Those were two of their best scars in that scenario. Fred ends up finishing out that 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 game. And like he made such a, like it obviously it was Kawhi and it was a carry job. But, like, man, like, you know, that's when he started first getting going. Game four, he had a really good game. Game five, obviously, the seven threes. And then even game six, which, I mean, obviously, everyone remembers 26-3, to three, the comeback in uh, in Toronto. I remember it. It's probably my favorite moment I've ever seen at Scotiabank Arena outside of Kyle Larry crawling under George Hill's legs, which oh, was you. just truly surreal to see that live. Um, right before the pandemic, baby. Yeah. That too. I think that might have caused the pandemic. <laughs> Yo, come on, man. Because Kyle went to places that's ne- that no one has ever gone on a basketball court. No, my man, my man was Anthony Bourdain. He went parts unknown. But, uh, <laughs> but like in that play, when and, and you know that play where um, Chris Middleton goes behind his back. Oh, he for, tried to for dri- no reason. Yeah. He tried to dribble like Jalen Brown. Yeah. He legit tried to dribble like Jalen Brown, and I think Jalen Brown has a much better handle than Chris Middleton, to be clear. No, they need to have a handle off at the next All-Star. <laughs> yeah, I need to see them do the All-Star skills challenge. I also want nine players who who uh, got minimum deals this summer to play the MBPA guys. <laughs> like, they should get oh, to go up against CJ McCollum, Grant Williams, Garrett Temple. I would love it, man. <laughs> yeah, uh, but you're talking about the play. Yeah, so Chris Middleton tries play. to dribble. That play starts with Fred, um, I think, cutting off Chris's dribble, uh, and that led Chris to go behind his back. That's when Kyle stole it, but it was Fred on the ball in that possession. So that was a big contribution there. Kyle obviously steals it and then does the turnaround assist to Kawhi with the dunk, the poster over Giannis to complete the 26-3 run and completely just break their souls. That game, Fred was also awesome. And then you go throughout the finals, man. Like, all sorts of truly amazing performances. Obviously, him being the one in the box and one against Steph. Like, this guy was just running himself ragged. Um, I mean, Fred started being in the starting lineup in the second half of games. Exactly. I don't know why Nick just couldn't bench Danny Green. But, like, you would be like... You had to manage the, 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 you know, the egos of the... We had to manage Danny Green's ego. What was he going to do? Take another selfie? And Harrison Sanford. And and (laughs) Jared Osmond. (laughs) 
I don't even know what you said, but only he said it. Um, uh, no, 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 I was talking about no. But Danny's I was watching. I was watching. Selfies. I was watching even the game. Oh no! Oh no! I don't want to. Remember. I saw that one on the TL the other day because there was a thread on Twitter being like, "What's the funniest social media moment by an NBA player?" I'm just saying. The only thing more disparaging to the XO brand is oh, no. uh, is is the idol and uh, and the weekend's acting and some oh, of the lines no. that he's delivered. But second to that was Danny Green selfie. Oh, no. he, had to, he yeah. really had to do it to him one time, man. <laughs> no, but, oh, but Lee Ben, but Lee Ben was, uh-huh. uh, I think yeah. it was Lee Ben who posted all the highlights, or a lot of people posted them today. I was watching all the game six highlights from mm-hmm. the finals. And like, I actually have never gone back and watched that game in full. Yeah. And I forgot that the Raptors were trailing at a lot of points in that fourth quarter. Yes. And, and it was Fred was who was, and it garbage. was Fred. Yeah. And it was Fred. Yeah who was just hitting those huge shots. Obviously, everyone remembers the one uh, Keyshawn snapped a photo of of, of yeah. him just like almost breaking... At the pick and uh, roll crossover. Breaking Quinn Cook's uh, ankles. Yeah, um, step back. Know, sent him to the Bears season two. And, mm. and Yes, chef. Yeah, and he did. <laughs> he really made him say yes, chef, and it wasn't Steph, man. <laughs> and then, you know, he does the scream, but like even yeah. three minutes left, I think that was with three minutes left. That was a huge, like, it was just shot after shot. In yeah. that fourth quarter. And listen, man, like, I think you can clearly say, like, they just, they don't win the championship without Fred. Yo, like, he's really legit. Don't. He legit even got a finals MVP vote from Hubie. Oh, right. Yeah. And you know, Chelsea Hubie wasn't, Hubie wasn't cloud chasing. No, like, you know, I Hubie's don't. Hubie's literally just here for the ball. You know, I know, I know we love, man. like, the cute storylines of, like, you know, his son was born, like, Fred Jr. and stuff, and it gave him super. But these aren't storylines. These are things that actually happened. Yeah, these yeah, are no, but 99% I, of players in the NBA or 99% of players who will play for Toronto and put on the Raptors uniform will never replicate these legendary moments, man. Yeah, I'm no, but I, I almost hated that storyline because it's like, yo, let's just give Fred credit for what it is, man. Like, this man yeah, just stepped sure. up. Like, it wasn't no cute storyline. Like, you you know, we we always talk about, I mean, I always talk about the Anthony Melton's curveball in, mm. in game six. It's like, we got to give some credit, like, to role players that can step up in these playoffs. Like, I almost feel like, you know, like the 2019 Raptors, people always say, like, especially from the outside, it's like Kawhi, Kawhi, Kawhi made everything easier for people. Yeah. It's like, no, man, like, you know, like, role well, players he, he, play he, with he stars kind of all the time and they don't step up. And that's yeah. why teams like Philly... Like, I mean, Philly has all kinds of problems, but like, it's like you can go through teams that don't end up winning championships or fall short. And a lot of times it's the star players, but a lot of times it's like, who did they have role players that stepped up? Mm-hmm. And Fred was a role player who stepped up in those last two series, man. Yeah. And man. like, he should just, he oh. should get the proper credit. And I'm looking, by the way, Remember I'm looking he got at elbowed his, across the face and oh, he was yeah. like bleeding out yeah, the cheek. Yeah, he was bleeding. And then he and then was, he like went he like literally stepped to KD. Remember KD was like oh, during yeah. like the fourteen minutes he actually played, there was like a brief skirmish with That's him right. and Fred. That's right. Yeah. He and Fred is like standing with on his tippy toes at five yeah. ten against to, KD. To be fair, I was kind of shook in that moment. I was like, "Yo, don't poke the bear, man." We're That's what I'm saying. Everybody, this, we're about no. to blow this three one lead, man. <laughs> Yo, everybody's shook in that moment because KD's back, and it's like, holy, this changes everything. Mm-hmm. But but for Fred even to have the character and like the confidence to be of like course. no, I'm actually gonna go at this guy. I I, I appreciate that kind of confidence. I appreciate yeah. that no, like in, listen, a, in a uh, way that is leadership in that moment. Of course, because no, it's like you... yo, you're just another guy. Like yes, you're a basketball god, but like I'm not afraid of you, and we're gonna come here and compete with you. I'm gonna step to you, and like I love and, that and, moment from Fred. No, man. and that's how he's earned the respect of all these players. I remember Katie going on a podcast that summer. I think. 
and yeah. just like showing love to Fred. He was like Fred is a dog. Yeah, he's like Fred. No, is Fred a, was I, the original. Had that dog in him, man. If that meme was around in 2019, yeah, that yeah, would have yeah. been Fred during the whole championship run. Sure. By the way, and he then went even three, the year after that. Yeah. Sorry, by the way, he that? went Go three ahead. of 24 um, from the field in the series against Philly. I'm serious. Um, I'm th- I think he literally got this blocked. This man by had James as many Ennis field goals as James Ennis the third had numbers in his name. <laughs> like that's crazy. <laughs> he played his name to a draw. He was three Yo. of twenty-four. Holy! And and that's serious. the thing when he, when Fred talks about like young players have to go through growing pains and stuff like that. Yeah, like that was the growing pain season for him. No, you know? and, and you, you talk he, about he he, yeah. he he got bumped back in in the rotation, which honestly that happens. Kawhi comes, you're not as important. Let's be honest, right? Didn't have the yeah. strongest regular season, right? Kind of came in and out. You know, guy like Kawhi will come in and out. And it's like, yo, you probably be pissed as a young guy trying to be super hungry, trying to make your way in the league. What the hell is going on? Like, yeah, obviously Kawhi's amazing, but you probably be like, you know, just as anybody, you'd be like, why is this person in the workplace getting this like incredible preferential treatment? He goes through some of those growing pains. He even talked about it even on the court, right? In the Philly series. That was when he really started taking deeper threes. Because Nick's like, bro, you're getting blocked if you step to the line. Like, you're so small and that you will get blocked if you step at the line. So we're going to need you to take five steps back from the three. And then that became like a regular part of his game. You know what I mean? Like those kind of growing pains and adjustments. Like he, we actually saw him go through those things. And that made him into, you know, the next season he becomes a starter. Like Kawhi left and the guy stepping in the starting lineup was Fred and OG too, uh, at, at the same time. But like, it, it, you know, Fred became, you know, that productive starter stepped in for so many of those games him and Kyle in that super small backcourt but they made it work defensively obviously everything worked you know that season until the bubble itself but like <laughs> no until know. until Kyle crawled between George Hill and, and started feel, the pandemic according to you man. I think that caused like a karmic shift in like maybe the entire universe but definitely in the yeah. Raptors no universe. I remember that season even you remember opening night against New Orleans like yeah. I remember it was yeah. him and Pascal who stepped up and got them that win. That's right. Yeah, Pascal and, and, went for like 37, I think, you know. Yeah, they both think, stepped yeah, up. Fred they had like 25 up. or something. Yeah. Yeah, and, 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 and that was the beginning of realizing that like Nick was going to play those guys like 45 minutes a night. And yeah, that season was great. Um, and then what else? Well, I mean, in well, I mean, too, even going to the bubble, and I really want to mm-hmm. acknowledge this because it was such an important time in like just world history, at least in North America. Sure. But maybe just world history in general, right? Yeah. When we're talking about the NBA players going to the bubble, that happened during, well, that happened shortly after, um, and and the start of the Black Lives Matter movement and yeah. protests. It was the George Floyd it, murder and all of that stuff was all. It was probably at the, same the time. most like, yeah, it was probably in my in my lifetime here in North America. It was probably, well, not probably, it was definitely the most like uh, impactful social movement. And I think there's obviously so much progress that needs to be made and. I would even argue some of the progress has been lost or the momentum has been lost. But regardless, in that specific moment, that's when the players end up going to the bubble. And I think even beyond the basketball itself, the, the way that Fred, the way that Kyle, the those two guys in particular stepped up for the team in that difficult moment where they're away from family and they're in the midst of this like um, global movement, well, especially in North America, the way that they stepped up and represented themselves, the way they articulated, when, remember when they ag- ag- agreed along with the Celtics to protest? You can go back and listen to those interviews, man. Fred stepped up to all those, answered truthfully, answered like a man, answered as a black man in his experiences with some of those things. 
you know, in terms of police brutality, in terms of his worrying about how he's going to raise his kids, in terms of even the relationship with cops and his stepfather is a cop. You know what I mean? Like all those things, he really stayed and, and, and was at the center of it and participated in these conversations. And he really put forward his effort and put himself out there to have those discussions. And I think for a lot of people who follow the Raptors, who follow basketball, probably didn't meaningfully engage with these ideas, didn't engage with these experiences that are very particular to these particular people. And I think that shows, again, you know, the, the courage and effort that he would put into that. That that gave me, that earned, I already had all, all the respect in the world for Fred at that point, having won the championship and having, you know, come from his um, unlikely stance to get to that point. But the, what he actually represented for both himself and the organization at that time, again, monumental respect. And again, this is this is nothing to do with the, the basketball itself because I felt like obviously in the bubble in that Celtics series, the man struggled. He shot like what, 36, 37%. That was the first time where I was like, mm, if he's one of your league creators, like you're going to have a ceiling on the team, right? But, and you know, that's, you know, one of those things where it's like that comes sec. I, w- I would say that would come secondary, but then again, we are also all here for basketball. Um. But like, yeah, no, but have to... I, I think the things that you said were, were more important in the bubble. Like, let, like, let's, let's I agree. be real, man. And I it's agree. Like, yeah. And it's like, you know, Fred, even when he was a role player, even, you know, when he wasn't one of the like leaders of this team, like you mentioned, like he always stepped up and, and, you know, talked after tough losses. And, and like you mentioned, talked, you know, in the midst of that bubble when all the social issues were, were going on. I remember him challenging like the local reporters on the zoom mm-hmm. i think it was our own michael yeah. grange too to like because you know these yep. athletes were getting asked all these questions and he's like you know why don't you guys do some research and why don't you guys try to answer these things right and right. Amplify he was challenging us like stuff. why don't you speak on yeah. this thing you are always asking us to comment on this topic mm-hmm. and that's fine in the typical basketball context but right. in this context when we as basketball players want the conversation yeah. to be focused less on the court less on what we're playing uh, each other about versus like what's actually going on in the world it's not the same relationship as like hey how did you feel in the game tonight you yeah i mean there had to no. be a reciprocity between person to person and the actual empathy that went into it yeah and all of that stuff to me is like is leadership right and and all of that stuff is is important um you know the series was tough for a lot of guys like you mentioned you know in, in that celtic series but then it's like you go to the Tampa season. I mean, the Tampa season was terrible. But bro, you know, that was just a complete throwaway. Remember, remember he had that fifty. Was it fifty three against Orlando? Like he he set the franchise 54. record, right? Okay, fifty four. Yeah. Against Orlando, made eleven um, threes. Yeah, I yeah. mean, like that that was a huge individual moment for him. Yeah, I'm trying course, to think man. of other moments from Tampa. I can't really remember any good ones, man. They well, they all showered him with the water bottles afterwards. I remember this one because um, they the game had ended. Fred did the interview, I think, with Amy Otterbert, um, and then he was walking to the locker room. And there's this shot where the guys are set up in the locker room. The doors open. Everyone's already in there because Fred's doing the interview, so he's last to come in. And they're clearly about to ambush him with all these water bottles and, and celebrate. And there's this um, lasting image for me where Malachi Flynn was hiding behind the door. Oh, um, I remember as, this. As if it was like a spy movie where typically it'd be like James Bond holding a gun and waiting for the bad guy to come out and then like shoot him or whatever. But it's, it, it's, it's that exact pose, but instead of a gun, he had a water bottle. And it was just so funny seeing it. But like, that was one of the happier moments, man. And Kyle keeping the game ball for Fred in that time. And 
Yeah. You know, actually, my other favorite the, moment was when, uh, him and Kyle, you know, had as like the leaders of the team. No, it was Kyle great. Was it was like, great when Kyle yeah. and Fred were like together, man. Like, bro, they was... would have so many shots where they would just sit at the edge of the bench and they would yeah. watch Malachi and Jalen Harris, like, you know, do whatever the hell they're doing. No, I was gonna, I was gonna say one of my other favorite moments was when Jalen Harris went off towards the end of the season in Dallas in front of friends and family. Right. Yeah, right. That was a good yeah, he one. was going off all right. Let's um, let's move on then. Um, let's let's move on before we need to, you know. Uh, edit there was also anything. like the whole Malachi Flynn. Remember there was a whole season where it was like, you know, Fred's taking me under my wing. People were calling him Red Van Vliet. Like, yeah, I that still think really, it's a that, sick that nickname. Really yeah, now he's Metropolitan Malachi, man. No, yeah, yeah, he Eminem, man. Yeah, that's, oh that's man, that's kind of hard. Now. I like it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. mom's spaghetti. Y'all forgot about Mal, man. Yeah. <laughs> Am I gonna do a remix? No, but and then yeah, this the, the season yeah. before this. Like All he star. was undeniably the one carrying the Raptors. The first did he not have like twenty three straight points or something against Utah? He had like a crazy. That, he had that one, one of the, the most perfect arena. quarters I've seen against any team by any Raptor. Like he literally made like he had like five steals. Let, let's he be fair. Caused the whole, all these turnovers. The whole he Utah like made squad, every shot. The whole Utah squad, uh, a squad had COVID. Oh, it was a, it was a, it was, it was definitely like a fake game in the sense that it was like an empty gym. Yeah. And also I think they came in here. Um, Rudy Gay might've been the only recognizable NBA player that was in their rotation, but yeah, Utah tw- came here with like somebody 24 points, 24 points in the third quarter. Yeah. Uh, but you had to watch it game. though. You genuinely had to go back and watch like the performance. That's the thing I'm not taking away from it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He cooking guys that you don't know. But it's like, oh, I think it was uh, Eric Pascal was actually the guy who was leading it. Oh yeah, I think Pascal Eric Pascal might have been playing outplaying Pascal Siakam in that game. It was nuts. Pascal mm. wasn't even the best Pascal in the game. He had a triple double that game. Yeah, that's what yeah. he had. I think. So th- uh, that season and whatever it ended poorly. I thought you know obviously in games one and two against the Sixers, you know Fred was just getting lit up by Tyrese Maxey. You could say yeah, he was wasn't tough. he wasn't he wasn't healthy. I don't think he was healthy, um, but still he was getting lit up. And, you know, there were struggles there. And then coming into this season, you know, the idea was like, okay, we're going to move more of the ball handling to Pascal and Scotty. The Vision 6-9 thing is in full effect. You know, how that was communicated to Fred, how he prepared for it, who knows. But realistically, it didn't really work out well. Then Pascal goes down. And then you have this whole, like, miserable season. And then when it came time to the play-in, you know, um, you know, obviously that wasn't enough for the Raptors to sort of bail themselves out. Although I have to say the two best players in that game were Pascal and Fred. Oh, the plane. You know I mean? Yeah, I guess his last great moment was hitting that buzzer beater at the sure. end of the first half, and yeah. then walking right up to the evil villain Dr. DeRozan, mm. and you know, Dr. DeRozan got the last laugh. No, she got the last so. scream. Yo, I can't uh, believe that's Fred's last game as a Raptor. That's his last game as a Raptor, and like <laughs> that's we don't. So funny, man. Yeah, and it's it's funny. I feel like I don't know. I oh. see. I keep seeing like one clip go around of like. The Raptors are down four and Fred runs with the core and shoots a three. And it's like, obviously he's contested. Obviously it's a low percentage shot. It's like, all right. Listen, man, I mean, we like... had our gripes with, with Fred's shot selection and all that stuff. Yeah, like, no, for sure. Like, for sure. Like that's not, but it's like. That's an encore thing though. And that's cool. Yeah. I, I'm always happy to talk about the shot selection. That's a great conversation to have. And I'm I don't not, think his, I'm not his trying shot selection to, like, is this great. Man, this man just ended his career, you know, his career with the Raptors. Like, I'm not trying to sit here and just like talk about his shot selection, man. Like, I'm just not. Like, I'm just here to remember these, all the great moments that he provided. Like, he was such a huge part of the most successful era in in this franchise's history. And, you know, I want to remember all these other things. Like, I don't know, man. Like, it was a yeah. tough season for him, so. 
I think that's probably why, like, for me, like having gone through all that as a as a as a as a fan base, and obviously we can experience all that, you know, mm-hmm. um, how you would and and having seen him in tons of podcasts tons of interviews he was obviously great to us in the media in terms of always willing to speak always generous with his time yeah um always he bought, like he bought all the media. and engaging yeah. he, he tricked all he bought us by you know actually treating us like human beings you know and like respecting <laughs> you know, you, know what I rem- you know what i was remembering too because i was looking up like the first time i talked to fred and stuff i remember remember yeah. when i was at the score and i, I did yeah. a bowling feature in wichita that's like, right. I also met with all his super fans there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I met them at a Buffalo Wild Wings. Yeah. And I remember, I remember just how much of an impact he had even back then. Just oh, as, like, had... a great story um, in college. Yep. Like, um, yeah. And it's, like, he all has, the like, other stuff. a lot of philanthropic about. efforts that continue to this day. I mean, of course. Like, I, I really I, I hope I he goes to We've gone through all that as an experience, and then we yeah. came to this season where like the Raptors struggled and Fred didn't play well, and it's like, yeah. It, it, then it became character assassination. Like now I he's just the evil villain. I, I, I can't. I, I just. I, I don't understand how people, yeah. rational people, came to this conclusion at the end. No, I think we just. So again, I need that. that I need that explained to me. I would love for people to explain that to me. I really yeah. would. I really no. want to have a conversation about it. But. Um. No. No. Personally, so he's I'll gone. Miss Fred. I'll miss Fred. I hope, um, no, I hope all the things that we talked about in terms of his leadership and stuff, like, you know, I hope he's able to bring that to some, some of the, some of the guys in Houston, especially after he sent me that Jalen Green video today, which <laughs> there I still is definitely have a, no idea what's going on. There is definitely a Jalen Green video out there that <laughs> is genuinely disturbing on many levels. The offseason so. will just sends me videos that make no sense and Andy Lou tweets, man. Yeah, you know. That's the offseason diet. But anyways... Fred is gone, so we'll Fred's never gone. talk about him again until our free agency special Monday, mm. 10 a.m. to noon. Please can't wait. Tune in Sportsnet 360 live on. Shout out to Jennifer Rolnick ran into uh, ran into oh. our, our YouTube producer. What? Uh, and YouTube and TV producer uh, at the restaurant that I went to today for lunch. Oh, are you gonna dox or no? Yeah. Uh, what no the doctor? restaurant? Yeah. Oh no, it was it was like a restaurant in Yorkville. Whatever. I mean, I'm typically not in the area, but. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, had to meet you're, with you're, you're uh, meeting some, with some, some high end clientele, yeah. high end clientele. Um, yeah. and uh, well, yeah, I'm glad just you didn't get Jennifer a coffee at the next table. I'm glad you didn't get a coffee at Real Sports this time. That was different, bro. That was like <laughs> they have to speak to the a coach, like <laughs> they put they ran to the next, and they probably the ran to the Starbucks again. They're like, yo, someone ordered a coffee. <laughs> what do we do? We only have Bud Light. Yo, that, honestly, I don't think anyone has ever in the history of time walked into real sports and came out with a bill that said $3.67. No, man. That's, yo, that's a Will Lou special, man. I legit tipped her like 10 bucks on that on that coffee because oh, I felt bad. Oh, my God. Oh, man. Because real sports we're, we're, is typically a fairly expensive establishment. We're, we're making know. back these tips for, you know, we're making up for past generations. Mm. We never tipped. I guess we shouldn't be funneling that money to real sports. Anyways, Fred is gone. We'll never talk Dennis about Dennis Schroeder's again, here? Except for Monday. Yeah, so, you know, get ready next season. If Schroeder's in the starting lineup, um, I think Strizzy's going to be like, nobody colder, ice in his veins, Dennis Schroeder. I think that might be, that. it might oh, be something I like thought, that. Where was, the, yeah. where was the rhyme? I was waiting for the rhyme. <laughs> colder? What? Schroeder? Oh, Schroeder? ice in no. his veins. Got you, got no. you. I thought yeah, you were going to have yeah, one more yeah. line after that. To, to, no, no, to, no. Sorry, sorry, man. Have very little A-B-A-B prep A-B-A-B for this. type of rhyming pattern. Yeah. No? Um, Just but, ABA for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very simple. Very simple rap. Anyways, Dennis Schroeder, mm-hmm. two years, 26 million, fully guaranteed contract. So they used their mid-level to, to bring him in. 
Uh. And, and by the way, breaking news, uh, Monty Morris, another guard that was being mentioned, is being traded to the Detroit Pistons. Yeah. Okay. So, anyways, um, yeah, yeah so Schroeder. Schroeder, man. I see him um, more as a backup point guard, to be honest. But I guess he might need to start on this team. Yeah, it's interesting. I think the Raptors had different options. Um, given that they're going to extend Gary uh, and presumably put him back into the starting lineup, um, I don't see why Schroeder couldn't come off the bench. I think it does feel for me like the idea that, like, okay, the Raptors have somebody who can play point for, like, essentially half the game. I didn't want, like, a 36 per minute. Uh, 36 minute uh, point guard realistically if Fred was going to move on and we have to accept one of these like other guys that are you know mid-level tier that aren't really quite starting caliber tier like I didn't want some I didn't want to overextend somebody just because you need to replace those minutes I think the starting lineup is going to have to me right now uh Gary um Scotty I suppose running point or Pascal running point one of those two guys but your playmaking through your wings you got Gary out there. You got Jakob out there. You got OJ Anobi. I think that's still a pretty strong starting five. You know, I think if Gary especially can embrace a higher level, and if I mean we always fall prey to this idea, but it's like, you know, if Darko can work some of his magic that he did with Desmond Bain with Gary, and this could just be another situation where he's I'm asking him to be Harry Potter and he's solving all the world's problems. This Darko uh, magic is crazy, man. Yo, honestly, yo, he defense against the dark art, Darko arts. <laughs> yo, the Darko arts. Yeah, he he severs Snape to me, um, but like he, like if you can get Gary to reach another level, if you get him to be more consistent defensively, buy in into the system a little bit better, I think that works um, as a starting group. But I do think that uh, bringing Schroeder in off the bench is going to really um, give the other team a different look. I think Schroeder provides good pesky on ball defense. Obviously, he's small, um, so you know you're gonna have to. You're not gonna be able to switch as much. But to be honest, I don't. Maybe I maybe I don't mind that. You know what I mean? Like maybe I want to see the Raptors run more traditional defenses um, with their group because I think their defensive talent is actually quite good. I think Shorter is a good defender. Um, not not as good of a help defender as Fred. I think Fred, especially when he was on defensively, could be super disruptive. I mean, I, I've literally pulled together clips where Fred will force eleven turnovers in one game. And I believe the very next game, he forced nine. So in the course of two games, he literally forced 20 turnovers. It's so hard for me to rem- like remember other instances of players kind of doing that. But like, I don't think Schroeder has that level of disruptiveness as a help defender. But on ball, he might be even better than Fred on ball in terms of just the peskiness. Um, that was sort of how the Lakers used him. And I don't see why the Raptors couldn't do the same. Um, I'm curious to see how the Raptors will approach on ball defense in general because Nick Nurse was so big on Pro, uh, providing on-ball pressure at all times, even when it d- didn't necessarily call for it. And so I wonder if, as a whole, Darko defensively, his philosophy around ball pressure um, won't be as sort of like all or nothing as Nick was. But in any case, Schroeder would actually fit really well with a guy like Nick, who loves guards that get into the ball. Schroeder will do that. Um, offensively, more of a uh, more of a driver, more of an in between kind of guy. Doesn't shoot the three nearly as much as Fred did. Like uh, Schroeder for his career is at what three point four threes per game attempted in twenty seven minutes and shoots thirty four percent from three. So not in the same tier uh, remotely as Fred in terms of three point shooting. Even in a down year for Fred shooting the three this past season, he still shot it better than Schroeder does in his career at a much higher volume. So I wonder in terms of just the catch and shoots, the pull ups. 
you know, where those threes are going to go. I think the Raptors need to replicate three-point volume and generate more of that as a whole. So I'm looking for Grady to obviously come in and do that. I'm looking for Gary to increase his three-point volume. I'm looking for uh, Pascal and Scotty to take more threes in general. Um, those are the areas where I'm looking to replicate Fred's overall three-point production because I'm not expecting that out of Schroeder himself. He's fine. He can ca- he can hit a catch-and-shoot three, but you're not uh, you're not trying to see him like hit pull up or actively look for pull up threes off of high screens. You know what I mean? Against a drop coverage, anything like that. He's not that kind of guy, but he's quicker in terms of getting downhill, a little bit more craft, a little bit better finishing. Still wouldn't say he's a super efficient guard overall for his career. He's 43%. Um, but you know, there is definitely a little bit more like there's definitely so much more shiftiness in terms of as a score going downhill for a small guard as compared to a guy like Fred. But I mean, on the overall, I think he is. And I, you know, our boss DT actually just texted me and just being like, you know, what do you think of this move in terms of 10 being like you fully replace Fred with Schroeder? I would say the best case scenario is Schroeder gives you like 80% of that production and worst case scenario, it really doesn't work out. And he gives you like 40% of that production at that point. He's still tradable. I think the deal was um, movable. You're probably not gonna get much of value from him, but you could, I don't think he's a value negative either. Um, and yeah, I mean, I I think for the most part he stayed decently healthy over the course of his career too. So he'll come in, he'll do a job. He's what going to turn? Well, he'll be thirty um, when the season starts. Um, so I mean, we're not really looking for this to be a long term thing with Dennis, but uh, you know, I, I could see him being useful. I could see him fitting a role. He's been playing. He's been parts of winning programs before. He just needs to be put in a right role where he's not asked to be the primary playmaker all that much. But uh, you know, as a recovery, I think it's fine. Like, would you have rather had Gabe Vincent, for example? Yeah, I probably would have rather had Gabe Vincent because then maybe you see some upside there and maybe you see him as part of some kind of like long term core. But, like, you know, after Gabe Vincent went off the board to the Lakers, and then I know there were some local supporters of Javon Carter, um, Mr. Mismatch Shoes, who, who went to Chicago. Like after Fred left, like like the options were pretty slim, and and for them to kind of turn around right away and get get this deal done with Schroeder, I don't think it's the it's it's the worst because there there mm. were not a lot of options left out there. But I don't think I mean they still have a long term problem at point guard, right? Like they still need to to kind of figure out that position. Um, so you know that's my thing, and I think overall for the team, like getting rid of Fred now. Like, I do wonder in terms of just, like, the shot distribution and stuff. Like, you know, is this finally the year? You know, maybe it's, you know, is o- is OG finally going to take that step on offense that we talk about every year? Like, what's that going to do, like you mentioned, to Scotty and Gary? What do you think What do you think about how, what it's going to do to Jakob, too? Because I know we talk so much about how Fred and Jakob had such great chemistry working together on, on offense. And obviously, he's gone now. And, uh-huh. and now you've got these point guards. Like, I don't even know who else. Like, I wonder if they're going to make a trade for another point guard. You know, my, my guy Jeff Down Jr. and Ron Harper are both, like, uh, restricted free agents, I guess. Oh, you know they've back. been working hard. I thought, I th- uh, you know, come on, man. Jeff Down's been working hard in the gym. Jeff Down, man. Honestly, I need Jeff you, Down, I need you to tweet, a- I got us or something, man. Because, you know, it's either you or Marquise Noel right now. So Sure. I mean, so like, guys- I think the Raptors obviously have a couple of those guys that you have. I just think, yeah, I just think, like, obviously, Schroeder's, a, like you mentioned, open, he's yeah. a stopgap. Like, he's a stopgap, right? Yeah, yeah so, of like, course. You got to figure out long term, like, who that point guard is going to be. So, for sure. And like, I think that, that opens up a whole question for them, like, moving forward. You know, so. And maybe the, you, you have a stopgap here and you, you have that in place so that, you know, 
when after those two years, Scotty can develop more in that direction. And, you know, at this point, it's not entirely clear which way he's going to develop. Um, but maybe he develops in that point guard scenario. I think this does give him more touches in terms of with the ball. Definitely has more responsibility to create and initiate. And so I definitely don't want to see games where he has the ball, but he's just looking to swing it sideways and doesn't really look at the basket or, you know, for extended quarters at a time, not really involved offensively, not in terms of involved as in like, oh, someone else has it. He's, he's, he doesn't have the ball. It's like, no, you're on the court. Like, and you are now at worst a secondary playmaker in any sort of context. You need to have the ball and you need to attack and show aggression at all times. There cannot be sort of like, oh, I'm not having it today. I'm going to have to just like, you know, side step out of the way. Like, I think there is a responsibility that comes with being one of the um, primary creators on the team. You can't just step backwards because then the rest of the team that depends on your creation also gets stagnant. So you need to be aggressive at all times. And those are things that he's going to have to learn and really grow towards. And you know what? Like, if, if he was going to take this step, he's going to have to do it pretty soon. And he's going to have to show it pretty soon because otherwise Raptors will not be competitive this, this coming season. You know, I think Pascal was already fairly overloaded this past year. Um, and maybe, uh, I don't know, may, maybe uh, he can take on a little bit more, but I don't think it's advisable. I think if anything, we need to reduce his workload probably about 10%. I think it'll probably reduce a result in a bit of a, an uptick in efficiency as well. Um, but I think I don't worry about Pascal in that sense. Um, and I know he can create, but at the same time, like, I'm looking to see that, like, okay, you know what, OJ Anobi, this is your opportunity. You know, you've believed that you had a bigger part to play offensively. Let me see some of your offensive creation. Let me see you picking your spots better. Let me see you increasing your efficiency with everything that you're doing. Scotty, I want to see the initiation. Um, I want to see, uh, you know, if Scotty doesn't drive 10 times per game, like, I I would be fairly disappointed because there's nothing really standing in his way to drive, quote-unquote, right? Right, yeah. he's the so if he doesn't now. drive, drive ten point, so if he doesn't drive ten times a game, you have to character assassinate him next season. Uh, no, no, I'm not going to do that because that's ridiculous. <laughs> but it's like, like that has to happen now. I, otherwise, I'm really thinking about like, what is it going to happen? No, or it's is a he it's a big a it's a direction? huge development year for Scotty, man. I think we can yeah. talk about all this roster stuff. Like, oh, gee, is he going to take the step? If Pascal yeah. can take on more, if Gary can improve, like, let's be clear, man. The number one thing for this team is Scotty, right? And if 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 they see him as a point guard, then they got to see a development in so many like different elements of his game. And you know, unfortunately, um, I hate to tell you this, but I feel like the Raptors are going to be another main character at the trade deadline next season. Because I just feel like there's still so much like flux with this roster mm-hmm. based on like the younger guys. And, you know, there's Pascal. He's up for an extension. OG's up for an extension. All this stuff could be free agents next year and stuff. So I would expect the front office to continue to try to just like tweak this roster, man, like heading yeah. into next season and stuff. Because to me, I look at there's just these like interesting pieces here and there. You've lost your point guard now. Like they need to keep tweaking this roster because like right now it's just bits and pieces like. I think the variance is pretty high for the Raptors next season in terms of where they might end up, like in the standings. Hmm. Sure. So. I mean, look, I think the thing that to acknowledge is like the East is kind of getting weaker, right? Like we'll see what happens in Philadelphia. But I mean, unless they turn James Harden into like Paul George, I, I don't necessarily see how Philadelphia is yeah. tangibly better. We'll have they to wait on that because because um, Daryl Morey is not afraid to get uncomfortable. So 
you know, we might have to wait a little bit for, for that. I love how Daryl Moore is the only GM who is willing to get uncomfortable and, you know, have patience when it comes to trade talks. Right. He's willing to get uncomfortable, but the, but Messiah and Bobby are difficult to work with. I got But he's got also, it. but Daryl Morey also, like, is the only one who, everybody always says, oh, he's got, he does the game theory. He's gamed it all out. Dog, I did game 50, theory too, man. I was in he's, economics. Like, he's like, I got, he's got 15 different. I love how Daryl Morey is the only GM in NBA history to have 15 different plans. Um, mapped out for the off season. Oh, man. I'm so just, I'm just tired of death cap for cutie. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'm hard, just going to try to make a death cap like reference every episode. Yeah, yeah, for some yeah. reason. That's hard. That, that's actually hard. Um, um no, man. Yeah, you yeah, trying yeah, to yeah. put the roster back together like Kintsugi. All right, man. You got, you got to save, you got to save a few of these. Man. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's going, so, he going no, for the, international players. He's going transatlanticism. Sorry. Oh, please, man. <laughs> these are please, horrible. Please, these are man. horrible. No, but you're talking about the parody. I get it. But uh, like, yeah. Parody, that all that stuff is cool, but like you still just gotta build a good roster long term, man. Like yeah, I, yeah. I don't I don't like it's short term, it's cool. Milwaukee's to look getting at it. weaker, you know what I mean? Sure. Boston, Sh- I'm not term, really that impressed with. But the things are gonna cycle through. Like, who knows? If New York adds a star, then they step up, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know, if Cleveland makes a big move or something, or you know, Evan Mobley becomes the uh Tim Duncan, then suddenly they become uh, a really good team. So it's like it's cool in the short term to look at it and be like, Oh yeah, there might be parody next season. You know, would would I be shocked if the Raptors were in the top six? Like, if a lot of things break right, no. But it's like you still gotta just look at this roster long term and make the right moves, yeah. right? I just think parody is such an excuse for teams to be like, yeah, like you know, we'll be in it next year. But it's like, well, if you win forty five games and you're in it for one season, like that's not that impressive. Like you're supposed to build for the long term. I agree, and then I think that's where, you know, you have to look at subsequent moves. Like, you know, are you going to entertain? trade calls for Pascal Siakam. Mm-hmm. And I would argue that it makes more sense to lock him down into an extension I agree this offseason. And then after a year when you're, he's trade eligible again, then you entertain trade talks. Because yeah. then you t- you cut out this whole idea of like, well, you know, Pascal doesn't want to extend on other teams. Well, you've put him on their contract now. Now there's more value to be done there. And it's not like he's declining. So I, I think that to me, right now is not the right time to move Pascal. But you have to be open to that idea. Um, after you have signed him to that extension. I think looking at the market today, um, I understand there's the new CBA and, and everyone's a little bit scared of the second apron. You know, second apron sounds like one of those like meal kit services that's delivered to your house. They're like, <laughs> but- here's the pori mix. It's already been cut for you. And you just put that into the into the frying pan like you're making instant noodle or something. I'm just like, come on, guys. Like, we, uh, apparently, we, Zach don't, we don't need Hello Fresh, uh, Apparently, man. Zach Lowe showed up to NBA Today wearing apron. Um, yeah, I mean, today. that's, that's like, what I'm saying. Like, the second apron is not a basketball term, man, because no one has ever showed up to basketball with an apron. Yeah. Like, even Steph Curry being like, oh, Chef Curry with the butt. Has Steph ever come to the game in an apron? You know what I mean? No, so, regardless. Please. Um, even all, all this, like, scaremongering about the new CBA, I did not see uh, dis- I did not see discretion when it came to spending money. We just saw Fred Van Vliet sign for a three-year maximum contract. No, we okay? Bruce Bruce we saw, Brown. Bruce Brown got what twenty twenty-two and a half mil a year. He got twenty-two and a half. That was what Fred was making previously. Yeah, for Bruce Brown, who last year anyone could have had at like the biannual exception or whatever he signed for. 
Oh, or maybe the, the tax pyramid. You're talking bay. Yeah, he went for bay to like. By the way, know, the the Raptors still have their the bay. bay as well, so they could add a dick and a oh, bay this wonderful. this off season. On, yeah, so. Wonderful. Last time we had the bay, we signed Stanley Johnson. Um, I'm oh serious. no, man! By the way, Nuggets fans once again, who are I don't know why Nuggets fans would be listening to this, but losing uh, Bruce Brown after a championship is not that bad. We lost Kawhi. That's like if you lost Jokic after no, you won the championship. So this is like the equivalent of losing Danny Green in the fridge. They'd be like, oh man, yeah. Damn. Anyway. Um, <laughs> it'd be like that, but um, yeah, like I, I think having seen this market, OG and Anobi is for sure making close to the max. No, brother, if 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 Jeremy Grant's yeah. getting five one sixty, yeah, and and you know I'm I'm not Bobby Marks with a Telecaster, so I don't know who's forecasted to have cap room right, next right. season, but like whoever That's has right. cap room next season, like next summer, like yeah. somebody's gonna be throwing that kind of offer. Yeah, at, at OG. It, but and, and here's my thing though it's like i agree with you about extending pascal because like we've talked about like pascal's squarely in his prime right now mm-hmm. and if you get him on that new contract if you're looking at him as a tradable asset he's way better as a tradable asset then like you mentioned i agree and, yeah. and we just went through a cycle of these guys having expiring contracts fred and, and gary specifically coming mm-hmm. into the trade deadline uh potentially we're doing that next season with pascal and og yeah well, that's why I think it's imperative you lock. I, I mean, look, if you can get both of them to sign extensions this offseason, that'd be great. I think OG's I think going to the, free agency, though, right? So, But I think if you're OG and, and you're seeing the market right now, first off, I might have to call Rich Paul back and, and take me back because <laughs> seeing what he did for Yo, Fred Van Vliet. The Rich Paul standing is crazy on this. He ball, got man. Fred Van Vliet a three year maximum contract. I'm, give, after, I'm giving after Rich after Paul. I'm giving Rich Paul like 60% credit and Tillman Fertitta like 40%. Rich Paul, can you, do you do you represent podcasters, Rich Paul? Do you represent podcasters? I'm we, giving we Tillman for I'm giving Tillman Fertitta 40% credit. On, on That's that fine, idea. man. Um but I think uh, yeah, for OG, if you can ex- if you can extend him, you're you're locking him in at really really great value. I think with Pascal, you extend him regardless because he's just A, deserving of it, and B, and, and, if you want to move in forward, every reporting has more. said that Pascal is open to, to signing an extension. Yeah, yeah. Like, let's I get know. it done. So, um, there's, I think there's definitely that aspect, but I also think that, like, yeah, I mean, it's 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 a chance for the team to, like, really step in, and if you want change, and that's what Masai was talking about, we want to bring change, we didn't like the product last year, um, I think his hand was forced in this way in, this, in the sense that Houston coming in with that over-the-top offer forces change. But realistically, like, the opportunity to change is there. Nick is gone. Fred is gone. And, you know, whatever the rest of the opportunity is, at least there's a, that chance for something new. And so for people who are excited about it, I think on the basketball sense, it makes sense. You know what I mean? To, like, be excited. Now, am I saying that this is going to be guaranteed a great team? Do, do I see lots of flaws? Yeah. The Raptors, for a team that struggled with shooting last year, lost their best high-volume three-point shooter and replaced him with Dennis Schroeder. That is not a win. But at the same time, you have Grady coming in. You play slightly differently, maybe some more development. And at least it leaves opportunity for something to come in and step in and be new. But realistically, it's another instance where, for me, like I didn't blame them so much for Mark and Serge um, because I didn't see much from them after they left the Raptors. Mark went to the Lakers, then went straight to Spain. He was like, I'm done with this, right? He said, Oh, yeah, because they, they gave all his minutes to Andre Drummond, remember? Yeah, yeah. So he's like, you know what? I'm, I would rather play. Also, they, in... uh, uh, 
Yeah, where did league, he go? He went to Barcelona, B. right? Did he go to yeah, Barcelona? Yeah, he went to like the he went to the second division. He went he, he didn't go to Barcelona. He went to like uh Girona, which I don't even oh, know man. where that is. But I don't know how yo, you're yo, we gotta play Europe basketball reference with you, man. You've been name dropping way too many Europe teams, man. Yo, he went to second division Spanish basketball, a team that I believe he owns, and he got them mm. to be promoted to, to the A to, to Liga A. So um no, good for him. That was wild. sick. But Serge yeah. didn't do anything with the Clippers. Didn't do anything with the Bucks. Now he's out the league. Yeah, shows to serve, you know, but he's not in the looking league. for new opportunities. Yeah. We'll we'll say that. Yeah. Oh uh, God, please, no edit button, please, man. Um, but then, like you know, those two I didn't blame. Danny walking, I didn't care. I Danny just, walking I, was attached to what? Because you remember, man. Yeah. Danny's free agency was completely attached to whether Kawhi was. That's staying. right. Danny had to wait for like two weeks until Kawhi finally made his decision, and then he went to the Lakers, where which Kawhi ultimately yeah. chose not to go. To. Also, the other thing Kawhi you didn't mention on, about you couldn't really control. Yeah. Yeah, the other thing so, you didn't mention about Mark, Mark and um, Serge as well—not just letting them go, but it's like some people have been like, "Oh, why didn't they trade them?" It's like you couldn't have done that because they were literally contending for a championship that pandemic season. Yo, I honestly, Serge and Mark were so popular in this nineteen twenty season that if you traded Serge Ibaka in the middle of all those, how hungry are you with Kawhi? Like. <laughs> I nah, honestly man, think this people would have been, been at this is Doug Smith asking Bobby Webster, did you did you uh draft Grady Dick for entertainment? Yeah, I think they <laughs> I think they signed Serge for entertainment, man. No, no one was man. more entertaining. Honestly, I've never been as entertained from an NBA player as Serge Ibaka in 2019-2020. Yo, the minute the pandemic happened, Serge started doing like daily videos. Bro. Like this guy did the scarves. This yeah. guy did the fashion show. Yeah. This guy did How Hungry Are You? With yeah. Kawhi. Which you literally scripted, so salute to you, Jeremy Lin. Yeah, yeah, we don't all really those episodes. Move on. You know, the Danny Green brought his Python to his apartment, and and, and you know, yeah, you know, I went to go interview Serge. You went to go interview Serge. <laughs> he was confused. He was doing Rolson that season as well. Uh, what else was he yeah, doing? Hitting game is now, winners. Oh, Rolson is now every Caucasian's favorite dim sum spot in the city because. Because of Serge Ibaka. And honestly, that's amazing. Because Rollsign is legitimately the sixth spot. Because if Serge was like, yo, my favorite sp- you know, spot in the city is Rosewood, I'd be like, all right, guys, let's let's calm down. Right? But he actually picked a good one. The guy had Shows to Rosewood. You know who I went to Rosewood with? Who? One time, our guy Tom Henry, bro. Oh. I thought his... Tom's your friend. Why'd you bring the Rosewood? That was his anyway. intro to dim sum. I think he picked it. I don't know. Tom, let me all know. Right. That's fair. I, I, honestly, Rosewood is not even bad, but it's, it's not my pick. Um, Serge was hitting game winners to extend the 15-game win streak, which is still a franchise record, right? Serge was, you know, remember, you know, just like, even the last game right before the pandemic, him out-dueling, you know, Gobert in that game uh, right before the whole world shut down. That was OG got in a fight with him. Ah, uh, that's right. Serge, but, but dropped 27 on his well, head. How are we randomly doing Serge propaganda right now? Serge in the pandemic. What house did the fashion show? Did the IG lives? You know, all that kind of stuff. So... I mean, realistically, I, I honestly, I truly believe no one entertained me more in one season than Serge did. Oh, he's the most entertaining Raptor. Was that also his foundation dinner? Was that also that same year? Foundation was dinner previously? was during the, the championship season. Okay, got you, got you. That was also yeah. sick too, man. Yeah. Um, regardless, like, I, I yeah, I don't think you could have traded them that time. But Fred, I think you probably could have handled a little bit differently. Um, sure. And again, I'm not making excuses for front office. My only thing is just like, listen, this Houston thing really did come out of nowhere. Yeah. In terms of them targeting Fred, not just targeting Fred, sure, maybe they had him in mind, like you mentioned, Michael Pena mentioned it, but it's like targeting him to the point where they had the cap space and they were willing to give him $40 million plus yeah. a season. And again, it is one of those scenarios where I, I, I feel like if you really got Bob, 
uh, you know, Bobby and Masai in an honest moment, you would ask them like, yo, did you really think this was going to happen? You people, they probably tell you no. Like, why, why would you think the Houston Rockets would pay three years at a full maximum contract for Fred that lead after the season he just had? Fred it just doesn't conceptually make sense. 43 mil a year. Like, when I saw that notification hit, like, I don't know, man. I was just shook for like five minutes. Yeah. Just processing that fact. The first thing that came to mind was, is it true? Second thing was, how do I know if it's mine? And <laughs> no, I don't know. I, whatever. I, I, my, my brain is fried at this no, point. Man, this I'm sorry. I, I'm overextending. Yo, I'm overextending. Just, my let, brain let is just, leaking. Let me just get you that clutch athletic. Oh, what, 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 what about what about Jakob signing for four years, 80? Or, or, yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess that was expected. So, I, I guess and, you had to. And he's got the player option. I don't. In, first of all, I don't care about year. the player option. I think that's completely fine. I think player options are fairly useful nowadays, um, based on how teams have been, or players have been exercising their player options recently. Like even like for example, the Sixers giving James Harden the player option for this year. Now him opting into it gives them one of two scenarios. Number one, you have to, you can trade him for something, so you don't have to sign and trade. You just get to execute a trade, which I think you get more back as compared to a sign and trade because he could have just walked for nothing. Um, and also B, and I don't think this is something that we can rule out. Do, do you think this is a real scenario where James Harden wants out, but Daryl Morey just like, ah, we haven't found the right trade, James. Maybe you, um, maybe, maybe come to training camp. You know, maybe get on the court. Maybe, maybe come in, establish your value a little bit. Because like, listen, I feel like Derek could also kind of like, not not like kidnap and, and hold James, but I, I feel like I wouldn't slip it past him. Like, I know that thoughts come across his mind. No, listen, man, like, you know, this is not the first time James Harden has wanted off a team. And you remember when he wanted off Houston, and this was still in the midst of the pandemic, this man literally went on a strip club tour during training camp um, instead of showing up. And then he got traded a week later. So there's no way Daryl's going to be able to talk him into showing up. Okay. Is is my thing. All right. But but listen, he's not afraid to get uncomfortable, though. He's, so, he's not afraid to get uncomfortable, man. He's not afraid. So maybe, you know what? Harden should pull an exact playbook as Ben Simmons. Like, show up to training camp with a phone in his pocket. Like, just do the exact mm. same thing. By the way, you want to stand Rich Paul? Remember Rich Paul getting Ben Simmons all his money back? <laughs> Even though he sat out like That's this what I'm saying. This guy, yo, he might be the GOAT agent, man. I'm actually serious. Bah, like, Rich Paul, when I see you next time, you and your five foot six in your in your New Balances with Adele on your arm, I might just walk by and whisper "bah" in your ear because <laughs> Yo, you really deserve it. Rich Paul standing is no, he deserves it. On this, man. He actually deserves it. But yeah, Jakob four eighty. Yeah, yeah, I just wonder too. Like you saw all those stats, like um, after they traded for him, like the net rating of that starting five. Obviously, it included Fred. Mm-hmm. You know, my thing is just I wonder and, and we'll see like based on like, you know, these, you know, the roster changing. It's like, you know, is Jakob going to be as effective like on the offensive end now that Fred is gone and things like that. Well, but I mean, I don't this was not an overpay. Like it's a fair value. Um, So I don't know. This was exactly I think what we expected. Right. In this range. No, I, I think it's completely fair value for what he brings as a player. Um, I think it makes him what tied for the 10th highest paid center in the league now alongside Nick Vucevic. I think that's exactly what his standing is in the league. I think, by the way, I think Jakob and his agent could have taken this opportunity to squeeze the Raptors. Like, let's say Rich Paul was his agent in this moment. Nah, man, this guy running a Rich Paul masterclass. If he was getting repped by the GOAT and you say, like, hey, listen, I know what your situation is, okay? Mm -hmm. Um, You have, what, $44 essentially, to split between me and and Fred, right? Fred clearly is going to get the whole thing. 
he's going to get $44 million and you're not going to spend it on Fred. So essentially, you've lost Fred, which means now I have you in an opportunity where there is a not just before it could be like, well, if you know the Raptors come to the bargaining table and be like, listen, Yak, we got to split this money between you and Fred. So this is our total budget, you know, and this is the constraints we're working with. And it's a little bit harder to negotiate on that sense because it's like, okay, well, I completely understand why or like there's a justification behind it. Now that Fred is gone, there's just empty space. So you are just negotiating into the empty space. If I were there, if I was like, you know, Rich Paul in this or if Rich Paul was representing in this situation, he'd be like, hey, listen, I know yesterday's price was 20 million per year for, for four years. Yeah, I'm going to need 22 because there's no reason for you not to give me 22 now. Right. You're not trying to squeeze it between me and Fred. Fred's gone. And you got the mid-level, that's fine. That eats into part of it, but there's still extra room. I want that extra room, you know? And Yak didn't do that. Yak was clearly like, this is our deal. We probably essentially made a handshake deal when you traded for me in the off-season or during the, the mid-season, and we're just going to roll through with it. That's that's my read on this situation, you know what I mean? And yes, you heard a couple of reports of like, oh, the Spurs might want him back and all that kind of stuff. It's like, first off, you oh. know, Grant Williams would have needed to step in. No, I wish, I really wish the Spurs used all their cap space on a one year deal for Jakob, man, to mentor Wemby. That would have been so funny, man. Mentor him in what? Austrian? The Raptors. This guy teaching him him German? (laughs) Sorry, Austrian is not even a language. German? He's teaching him German? The Raps would have traded two first rounders to the Spurs for like 15 games of Jakob and and Thad Young. Like, that would have been amazing. Lord. You think you think that would have been amazing? (sighs) They would have doxed Bobby Webster tonight, man. Honestly, I would have contributed. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I would never do. Oh, come on, man. No character assassination. That's my goat. That's my Asian American goat. Um, Um, I mean, the other read of it is like because Jakob signed pretty early in the in the free agency process, right? Yeah, obviously, Fred. I think an hour in. Yeah, yeah. So like maybe Jakob was like, okay, we take the twenty, and then you know, hopefully, the rest of the space is is for Fred, or you know, but. Mm. You know, because they did have a scenario where at his starting salary for Jakob, he would have made, I think, 17.8, I think, to start for the first season. They could have theoretically fit in Fred and they could have even given him four years, 120 at that at that rate. Right. But that's what I'm saying. Maybe he he just, you know, agreed to the deals, a fair deal. Let's get Fred back and, Mm -hmm. and let's just run it back. But yeah. You know, but but this, I mean, I think there is a concern in terms of like who's going to run pick and roll with them. It's just a little bit different when you have Fred and the threat of pulling up for three or even the mid range pull up, uh, or and sort of just the ways he can deliver the ball to Jakob. It's different when you have like shooters that aren't respected, like like Pascal and Scotty running those pick and rolls. Right. That doesn't mean like you can't make it work at all, but it will have to be a little bit different than how Jakob was successful offensively this season. I think Jakob also did a lot of like facilitating out of the post and maybe he does more of that and so maybe his scoring drops a little bit maybe he's more of like a 10 point per game score but he ups his assist to like three four a game you know i wouldn't mind that again it's all about how the offense runs in general Jakob himself is a no-nonsense player like he's just genuinely about the team at all times um you know very very like as low maintenance as it comes for an nba player again he wears white nike hyper dunks it's kind <laughs> yeah. of amazing he looks like a history teacher um like it's all that is, is is cool with me. I'm really happy Jakob's back, and uh, yeah, I mean, I think they'll have to find different ways for Jakob to score. But again, I, I'm I don't think Jakob wants to score, and I don't think it's about that. I think it's about how to make the team successful. Listen, it was you know? clear. It was clear like last season, um, heading into the deadline, they needed a center. Like they needed to solve that issue, right? They mm-hmm. solved it. That's not a problem now. You know, obviously now there's another hole at point guard, but that's a whole another issue. I think the only thing is just that like. 
for people who are looking at the progress of the team last season in the second half, like after adding Jakob, like now that's kind of out the door. Like if you were looking at like, oh, running back the starting five and, and like mm. hoping to build on that, like that conversation's gone now. It's got to so, be very different. And so yeah. Gary's got to develop a two-man game with, with, with Jakob. And again, I've talked about this over and over again. I don't see why that couldn't happen. Jakob has great chemistry with shooters. Like this guy was making it work with Josh Richardson, man. Like there's no reason why Gary couldn't do that with him. You know what I mean? Um, you know, him and Scotty can develop more chemistry. Him and Pascal have chemistry. That that I'm not worried about. Him and OG have a bit of chemistry, mostly with uh Jakob setting OG up. Um, so I think he's a good connected piece. Defensively, I think is gonna be important. You know, also you have the opportunity to run a German speaking pick and roll, you know. Oh my shorter God, can be man. like, oh, slip the screen, but in German. You know, and only yeah, Herbie Kudo understand. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We we buried the lead too. Um. You know, it's gonna be very exciting when oh, when Dennis Schroeder has his first forty point game at at Scotiabank Arena, and and Herbie is on the mic. So, here's the thing: Herbie yeah. will say his name every time he scores, um, every time he gets an assist, every time mm-hmm. he checks in and out of the game. Mm-hmm. So, on average, he'll probably say, let's say Schroeder plays like twenty five minutes a game. Yeah. He'll probably say his name like. I don't know, 25 Four, times. Oh, I was going to say 42. I don't know. Okay, why. let's let, yeah. let's say 40 times. Yeah. Yeah. Have people, I mean, this might be real obscure, but have you been in the building where it was Raptors Hawks or Raptors OKC yeah. or Raptors Lakers or Raptors Celtics? I feel like he was in the Celtics for a little bit. Dennis Schroeder might be a basketball. Yeah, he, 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 was, he was definitely on the Celtics. Um, oh, and uh, Houston. I forgot he was on Houston. He was definitely on Houston. He, he, could, yeah. not, uh, he could not coach the kids, um, so they got rid of him. So, um, if you have been at Scotiabank Arena with Dennis Schroeder there, do the impersonation, um, you will, man. You've you will know because Herbie comes in, and you know how Herbie does this with every sort of like foreign name. No, for uh, context, for context, Will Barn was British um, last year. He went Will Barton, like, <laughs> yeah. like a little yeah. patois came out of him, like he was yeah, Will like, Barton please. was Jamaican or something. Please. Maybe he was Jamaican. I don't know. Regardless, um, Dennis Schroeder is the all-time Herbie Coon like pronunciation joke. Like, like this two. is where it all originated. Like. Everybody who's a beat member, if you search their Dennis Schroeder, you will also see Herbie Kuhn in their tweets because everyone has re- remarked about this. But essentially, yeah. he goes up there and he goes, Dennis, Slater. like it's like a it, it's like a um, it's I, I think it's like a embouchure and like a, a speech pattern and, and like syllables that I've just never been able to access without having learned German. So the way he, it comes out of his mouth is is, is wild is uh what i'm trying to say so you're gonna have to hear that dennis like like probably 80 times a game and yeah i'm just hoping you sound, we're, you we're sound like enjoying. marlon brando from the godfather when you oh, say a little it, bit like it does you're slowly like, losing it a little bit dennis Slater. like yeah. i'm i'm serious go back and listen i mean i don't know how you would find clips of this but i'm yeah. telling you in advance to fans when you see herbie at the game and her and dennis yeah. shoulders at the game just hear just listen for it what if what if Herbie does a plot twist and just says his name normally? Because he because he, I'm, I mean, I'm sure it's gonna get back to him that all no. this attention is on him for this. No, but here's the thing: I think what Herbie's intentions are very pure. So like he wants to pronounce the players' names, and he wants to entertain. They want it to be pronounced. Now, of course, he likes to also, you know, my read of it is probably he likes to like showcase the fact that he speaks multiple languages. Which, to be honest, like that's a very cool skill. Why would you not? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, he he put some spice on it. He puts an umlaut on it, and in this case, he literally has an umlaut in his name. So we have yeah. two players with umlauts now: Jakob Pertl and uh, and Dennis Schroeder. So 
Yeah, do we lead the do might we be an NBA record in that, in that in that category? Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited for sure for shorter just as a character. People, Raptors fans might. What about him. what about the fact that uh? Oh, sorry, were you gonna were you gonna say this? Yeah, I was gonna say Raptors fans might remember him for that fight. Was did the fight start with Gary, and then OG flipped him? Bro, there's no issue. There, the the funniest thing about this fight that involves OG and Obi is that it makes no sense. There was no lead up to it. I, I, I believe. Remember, I remember Montrez Harrell was involved. Of course, Montrez. He got ejected, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But like, and so did OG. But uh, and I think when OG got ejected, I think uh, Masai in that empty, like, soulless Tampa hotel room that they played basketball out of gave him mm. a fist bump on his way out to the Marriott. I suppose where was he leaving to? Like, <laughs> I know he was the just parking gonna go, lot. He was gonna go have a dart in the parking lot right next to like whatever nice car Kyle drives. This guy he was, was gonna flick. To- he was gonna flick a dart at Kyle's car. He was going to the auto porters as an AUTO porters. <laughs> oh shoot, we got another. Man. Yeah, we got another shooter too, man. All right, I'm excited about this team, man. Let's go. But yeah, I mean, there was no like preamble to that fight. Like, I think. Um, like what? What? Like what? Instigate. OG might have stole the ball. Um. Yeah. OG. I think OG stole the ball, and I think it was like seven nothing Lakers or something like that. It was whatever. It's the Tampa season. The, the team was trash. They're, I think OG stole the ball, went up for the layup, and I think Schroeder like like fouled him on the way up, but like a very normal like wrap up foul. Mm. And so they're already tangled up just based on that alone. And then as sort of like they're getting untangled, OG decided to just flip him. Like he literally just dipped him. Like it was like a country dance. It was man. <laughs> I, I, I guess they're gonna have to make up, but uh, they'll they'll be fine. This will be. I mean, OG is also everyone's favorite teammate, essentially. So it's I'm sure it's gonna be some water under so the likeable. bridge stuff. Like it's they're gonna yeah. be fine. It's not gonna. be I think fun. Dennis also is a big vlogger as well. Oh, okay. So we're getting so content. We're getting a lot of vlog content. Yeah. All right, that's good, man. No, as a, I'm excited about Dennis Schroeder as a personality. I think it'll be cool. Gotcha. Miami is tricking. Trading Victor Oladipo to OKC. No, nah, he going wow. back to Oladipo. They need to get Westbrook back in OKC too. <laughs> they need to Honestly, reunite Westbrook and Oladipo. Yeah, this anyway, stuff is kind of funny. Miami's losing a lot of players, man. But anyways, I mean, they got to shed salary, I suppose. We we can save we can save the general free agency talk. Yeah. For for Monday, anything. By the way, else? shout out to oh, shout out to Woj. Yeah, there's one last thing, and then we'll play basketball reference game, and then we'll go. We'll, we'll, we'll play basketball reference. Yeah, man, come on. Um, so that uh, Woj tweeted out. First off, Woj got the, the news out there that um, Dennis Schroeder has agreed to a two-year deal with the Raptors. And then he quote retweeted it and added the context. Masai Ujiri moves quickly to replace Fred Van Vliet in frequency, luring Schroeder to the Raptors. I'm, I'm sorry, man. We Come on, man. Like, <laughs> this whole Raptors don't leak thing. Like, this is Woj doing a solid for, for Masai, reframing it in a positive way. You know, I mean, this would be like Masai Jerry just lost ten dollars on the street, but he picked up a quarter. Like, get you know, like all right. Anyway, regardless, I, 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 when I saw that, I was like, all right, come on, man, you got to make it less obvious than this. He he he, Yakovic right now, man. Oh <laughs> man! Until further notice. <laughs> That's uh, who he is. He boss man with an omelet right now. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right, what's the last? Anything else before the b ball ref? Um, no, I think that's probably about it, really. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we'll, I mean, we'll, like whatever. We said our piece about Fred. We we'll talked about it from we'll different angles. We'll cover the Gary. We'll co- once we get more details on the Gary yeah, yeah, Junior yeah. extension too. We'll talk about that on Monday too on our free agency show. Yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, it's uh, it's not a great thing, but I suppose the Raptors weren't coming from a great position in the first place. So, 
Um, okay, Battle Reference game. Man, this is going to be a little bit difficult because my original theme that I was going to give you was teammates of Dennis Schroeder from his rookie season. But, I mean, a lot of these guys are not either too difficult for you to guess or um, not difficult enough. So, yeah, once, once again, you don't need a theme. Yeah. Well, you know what? Maybe we can run with this, though. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold All right, on. Maybe we'll it. find one more guy. Uh, hmm. So a lot of these guys did not have long careers. I don't, okay, I, I got don't one have... sicko mode. I got one, okay. like, all right. Okay, fine. This this player started. Okay, so yeah, no more basketball talk. We're, we're no more relevant basketball talk. Sorry. Um, tune it off if you don't want to hear just two guys playing some stupid game. <laughs> Good night, sickos. I don't even want to play this game, but let's do it. <laughs> all right, this first guy drafted 19th overall, 2009 NBA draft by the Atlanta Hawks. 2000 what? What year? 2009. Okay. First round pick, 19th overall uh, by Atlanta. Plays in Atlanta for eight seasons. Then go uh, between 2009 to 2016. Then goes to Indiana for one year, 16-17. Then goes to Minnesota for three years, 2017 to 2020. Then traded back to Atlanta in 2019-2020. Then plays in Boston in 2020-2021. And ends his career that same season, 2020-2021, with the Milwaukee Bucks. So he won a chip. Is this sicko? This is not sicko. No, no, no. This is just you got to think about it a little bit. I think. Oh my god, I I don't really think about Atlanta, man. Um, all right, Atlanta Hawks. Interesting. Twenty two thousand nine, twenty six. So he's a long time Atlanta Hawk. Mm. Goes to Indiana for one year. Wastes his life for three years in Minnesota. And then goes to Atlanta, Boston, and then Milwaukee. Yeah. Um I need the I need the the position. Position is guard. Guard. And you said he played with Schroeder. Played with Schroeder. He is a guard and it was long time in Atlanta. Yeah, two thousand and nine to two thousand sixteen in Atlanta. Bro, I thought this was gonna be the easiest one, I'm not gonna lie to you. No, I can't even get this, man. No way, man. Come on. No, He's a one-time think... all-star. Oh, great. One-time. One-time well, all-star guard. Again, you could think about that in terms of his career. You could figure, probably reverse engineer which year it was. Oh, Jeff Teague? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. That's yeah. pretty. Right, again, this is supposed to be level one. Sorry, my brain's kind of done, man, but I'll, no, I'll play that's along. No, that's fair. That's fair. I was misquoting Usher Confessions Part 2, so I, I feel I'll like play along. that wasn't working for me. All right, the next player here. Yeah, drafted second round, fifty first overall in the two thousand and three NBA draft. Goodness, man! <laughs> <laughs> All right, starts his career in Philadelphia, two thousand and three. Kyle to 2000... Yeah, okay. What is this? No, this is too easy. Yeah, that's tough. All right, well, this is the toughest one, and I'm gonna set a two minute limit on this. I don't think you'll get this player, okay. but. Um, I'll give it to you anyway because the other Let's two, go. I suppose, were were not that difficult. Anyway, the theme is just. Teammates of Dennis Schroeder from his rookie season. This player was the 24th overall pick in the 2020, uh, 2012 NBA draft. Not bad, not bad. Okay. All right, 24th pick, 2012. Uh, first season went to Dallas, 2012-2013. Oh, God. Next season, played 
in 13-14 was in Atlanta for five games. So it was only teammates with Dennis for five games. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> then finished that season in Sacramento, only playing eight games in Sacramento. Okay. This is the sickest one, man. I'm sorry. Uh, 14-15 is in the Clippers. So yeah. he's already gone from Dallas, Atlanta, Sacramento to the Clippers in the span of three years. Okay. Plays 19 games with the Clippers in 14-15. Next season. Doesn't so- even play, man. <laughs> This guy's a season. part-time employee, man. Yo, this next season plays in Cleveland and ends his career in Milwaukee. He spends uh, 40 games in the 15-16 season with Cleveland. So he was playing with LeBron and yeah. ends up 15-16 in Milwaukee where he was playing with Giannis, I suppose. But only played four so, games there. So 15-16, he split between <laughs> Cleveland and Milwaukee. Yeah, I don't know why I'm giving you this play. This guy only played 84 games in his Kodo career. No, don't worry. I want to get this. There's no way you'll get this, man. I'm sorry I picked this. It's not fair. No, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna give you one more, just because this this one is just not it. Do you know this? Do like do you know this guy? Yes. Like if I if I said the name, I'd recognize that that was one time an NBA player. But do I have any remarkable details about him to share? No. Don't worry. Um, I'm gonna try to get this. Um, okay. I woke up now, so uh, give me the position, and I need to play the race card. Okay, so it's a guard, yeah. shooting guard. So not even an on-ball guard, off-ball guard. Okay. Uh, and they are black. They're African American. African American shooting guard. Wow, this mm-hmm. really, this really, <laughs> it really it narrows down. it down, man. This really narrows it down. Dallas, is there is there even a single team that you associate him with at all? Well, probably Cleveland. Probably Cleveland. To be fair, he played 40 of his 84 career games in Cleveland. So 15-16, he doesn't end the season in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. But he begins it there. But he So he doesn't win the championship. Because isn't that no. when they won the championship? Yeah, 2016. That is when they won the championship, yes. Was he involved in a trade from Cleveland to Milwaukee? Most or likely, he, let me see. Yeah, or was he just like waived? Because this man he seems was, like a waiver wire god, man. Uh, as part of a three-team trade on February 18, 2016, traded by the Cleveland Cavaliers to uh, the... Yeah. What? Who was in this trade? Oh, he was traded to the Orlando Magic, but he got waived by the Orlando Magic and oh signed a 10-day with the Bucks. <laughs> Okay, so what was the what was the Cleveland Orlando trade? Can you tell okay, me the okay. other players? So uh, the Cavaliers traded Anderson Varejao and a first round pick to the Portland Trailblazers. Mm-hmm. The Magic traded Channing Frye to the Cavs, which was very memorable. Yeah. The Portland Trailblazers uh, traded a twenty twenty second round pick um, to the Orlando Magic, and the Cavs also sent this guy to the Magic. He sent this guy to the Magic. He got waived, mm-hmm. and then he and- joins the Bucks. So he gets waived and joins the Bucks on a ten day. Man, this is too hard. I'm sorry. This is a, this might be the I, worst selection I need, ever. I need like one more hint. I don't even have one more hint for you, man. You got to give me something, man. Uh, he was involved in different trades, I suppose. He was traded. <laughs> that, that, that does not narrow anything down, man. <laughs> what? I suppose that's not a trade. That's just a statement of fact. You might you might got to give me like the like his first initial or something. Whatever you think doesn't give it. <laughs> you all know away. what? I'll give it. I'll, I'll give you his full initials, man. Yeah, it's JC. All right, <laughs> JC. Oh, is this um, uh, JC? He starts in Dallas. He's an no. African American shooting guard. Is this 
Wait, is this Jordan Crawford? No, not Jordan Crawford. No, it's Way not Steezus, man. No. <laughs> no, man. It's not Steezus Walks. Man. Jay? Hold on. You said JC? Yo, this is the dumbest game. I'm sorry, man. No, I actually apologize to the Jay- listeners, man. No, you said JC? Yeah, JC. Yeah, JC. Like, J- like he's a Filipino or something. JC. JC. Right? You talk- we talking JC right now. Okay. <laughs> JC. This man... This man starts in Dallas after they win the championship. So, like, he gets drafted. He's but he kind only of plays fl- eight games. I know, there, but, but he's kind of no, but he's kind of a flop because like he's drafted twenty fourth yeah, yeah, or whatever yeah. overall. So, in the whole context of it, he's kind of a flop. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he's uh, JC. So, yeah, he's a shooting guard, and then he goes to Atlanta briefly. Sacramento briefly. Oh, this is so Clippers sick, man. I'm briefly. sorry, man. No, but this is what I wake. This is this is what gets me going, man. Um, there's no way you'll get this, man. Cleveland, I'm putting a one minute limit on this. Yeah, yeah. Cleveland. He goes to Orlando. JC. Just name anybody who has the initials JC. That's man. not Jordan. The only JC from Atlanta I know is John Collins, man. <laughs> That's pretty good, but no. What is? Way no, I, I can't, man. I, I give up. Tell me. You're gonna be so mad, man. I don't know why I waste your time with this. It's Jared Cunningham. No, man, this is just stupid. I'm sorry, man. I'm <laughs> that's so why bad. I was just laughing the whole time. No, that's it. Okay, let me let me give you one to make up for it. An- another right. one of uh, Dennis Schroeder's teammates, but not from his rookie season. All right, let's go. Let's go. All right, this player's undrafted. Oh, okay, great. Yeah. Okay, uh, played 2012-13 in Golden State. Okay. Next season, 13-14 starts in Golden State. Ends up with the Lakers, second half of the year, 13-14. Okay. Next season, 14-15 to... Uh, wow, he was in Atlanta for a long time. Uh, from 14-15 to 18-19 is in Atlanta. So, for five seasons, is in Atlanta. Yeah. 2019, he is in Portland. Finishes the season in Sacramento. Goes back to Golden State. 2021 is in Golden State. And then goes to... Well, goes back to the Lakers again, I guess. Uh, 2021-2022 with the Lakers. Is he still active? Um, I'm sure he is an active human being. Like, he probably works but out But he's not stuff, in but... the NBA anymore. <laughs> no, he's not in the NBA right now, no. So and probably last, won't be. His last team was the Lakers? Was the Lakers. Before that, with the Warriors, Sacramento, Portland. So this guy was in a lot of playoff teams. And was in playoff teams in Atlanta as well. Was on the playoff teams in Atlanta. This man was undrafted. This mm. man was a Laker multiple times. Yeah, and this guy and, actually played. This is no Jared Cunningham. Like yeah, he played six hundred and fifty-seven career games. And he was in Golden State twice. He was in Golden State to start, and then he ends. This guy missed out on every Golden State championship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did not win a drink with the with the Warriors. <laughs> is he European or no? He is not a European. Oh, Technically, that's not a race card. So I'm just that's an, that's like a passport yeah, card. That's yeah. just a question. That's, um, right. man, let's see. Twenty Lakers. Lakers are trash in fourteen too, man. This guy's on trash teams. No, he was on playoff teams in Atlanta though. Oh yeah. Okay, so Atlanta. So he's part of. He's part of those bud teams. Mm. Like Some of them, yeah. That were like yeah, yeah, good, yeah. And got Him and Schroeder were teammates the, for a long time, actually. And they got swept in the conference finals. But yep. this man started in Golden State. Mm. 
goes to the Lakers and then finds a home in Atlanta. You know, this is a good one. This makes up for, for Jared Cunningham. That's an all-time low for he me. My bad, guys. He finds a home in Atlanta because he's there for a long time. That's Kyle Lowry's zero-point game is is me making you <laughs> no, waste man. time guessing no, Jared that was, Cunningham. No, that was wild, man. And no man, discernible you know trade for bad, him, man. It's, you know it's bad when you give me JC, man. <laughs> I'm like, please. I don't even think I could have got Jared Cunningham on JC. So. Uh, what position is this person? This is a... A swing man, a, a shooting guard, and small forward. Shooting guard, small forward. Yeah. So he must have just come off the bench on these teams. He's undrafted. a lefty. No, actually started 242 out of the 355 games he played with the Atlanta Hawks. With Atlanta, he started. He's a swing man lefty. Yeah. Oh, man. Is he skinny? Is he? I would... No, like, I mean, he, he's, he's not, not bulky like either. No, he's just a very regular size swing man. I mean, he's a regular size swing man and started yeah, yeah. a lot of games. He started a lot of games with Atlanta, but not a particularly memorable player with Atlanta, I would say. I have was, one killer hint for you, but I'll yeah, save it until you really need it. he was in Atlanta for so many years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But not memorable, even though he started a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah I would say that. And a lefty. Mm-hmm. Lefty. Starter, Atlanta, Jeff Teague, um, Paul Millsap. Who else is on that squad, man? Your boy, Al Horford. Yep. Corver was on that team. For a while, yeah. He would have started with these guys. Starting swing, man. Lefty. Mm. Who was shooting left on the Hawks, man? <laughs> okay. Who was, right. who was going left? No, I need the killer hint, man. The killer hint? <sighs> Uh, he is. Let me let me phrase this correctly. Hold on, without giving the the player away. Um, he has a really big part to play in Steph Curry's current endorsement history. What? He has a. Big... Or you know what? He you know what? I'll just he's he was he he was Under Armour when Steph got into Under Armour. He was Under Armour. Yeah. I don't know the Under Armour roster, man. I wear Nikes, bro. Uh, <laughs> what? He a lefty? That's a that's a killer hit. Once you really once you really get it, man. He's a lefty and he reps UA. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty he, sure he got Steph into Under Armour. Oh, <laughs> it sounds like it's a drug. It's not. It's oh, I've, damn! I've heard of this story. Who is this guy? He's a scrub. This guy has to be, he's this like guy an average a, player. I don't know if he's a scrub. Like he's, he's average. He's average. average. He's an average swing. Oh, okay. I got it. I got it. I got yeah, it. Yeah. Who is it? Who is it? Ken Bazemore. Yes. Okay. That was so well yo, done. That was well done. Off, though, That's a good one. That's a good one. I actually needed the Under Armour hint. Yeah. 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 yeah that rang a bell, right? That. Yeah. That's okay. Right. Now this makes sense. Yeah. Lakers. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that yeah, rang on, a bell on, like Charlie Bell. No, come on, man. On tra- uh, Yeah. Ken Bazemore definitely only on trash Golden State teams. <laughs> How did this guy miss out on every dynasty, man? Yo, legit. This guy was on the Lakers, but before, but after they won the Lakers chip. He was on the yeah. Warriors, but before the Warriors won their latest chip. He was on Atlanta where they went to the conference finals, but never had a chance of the chip. He was on Golden State literally the season before Golden State goes on to win the chip. Like This guy only played guy, with man. AC Law and James Wiseman, man. Like, what is this? Damn, that's anyway. crazy. All, All right. right, that's it. 
that's for agency more news happens we'll do more podcasts but uh for now um goodbye to fred uh you know honestly top 10 player in franchise history i think that's pretty firmly established and uh you know we'll see what this new era looks like without him but uh for now thanks everyone for listening please continue to rate review subscribe and uh try to enjoy fragrance i suppose the rest of it is kind of anti-climatic right like we're not really going to see too much else but i guess we'll see